Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. Long-awaited comeback this episode here. Uh, I'm I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It's 2017. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. Same same as the old year. Meet the meet the new boss. Same as the old year. Let's go with that. I like that. That's a good one. That's what we'll get made on our hats. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, sorry, we've been away. I mean, sorta. I'm sorta sorry about it. Uh, a lot of traveling. A lot of holidays. There was a cold in there. I don't know, other stuff. Work stuff. Who knows? But we're back. Uh, plus, I'm going to be honest. Once I started watching the episodes for this week, I did not hurry through them. Well, once you watch, like, two, and neither one of them was worth anything, you start to get a really bad feeling. Yeah. Um. So this is, uh, this is the sixth edition of our Star Trek comparative literature podcast that we didn't come up with a name for. No, it's just it's it's just included in our regular podcast. Just which one do best? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which one do best, Matthew? Which one do well? This week we'll find out which one do best. Uh, yeah, episode six uh, of this, and uh, just you know, spoiler alert: it was a rough week. It really was, and like you know, one of them is a Q episode, right? So I knew going in. That was going to be poor. And again, I think we talked about it last time, but that was the one that when you went back to watch all the Deep Space Nines many years ago now, you got up to the Q episode, possibly through the Q episode, but that that was definitely the end of it. And you went, yeah, no, I'm good. No, I, I got through it because uh, I'm looking here and I see that next week's episode is called Dax, and that was the one I just couldn't, I just couldn't even do it. <laughs> so you got through a Q episode, saw a Dax episode coming, and you went, yeah, I think I'm good. I think six episodes is plenty. Well, not only that, but they just... They just straight up called it Dax, so I was like, eh, though. No. Yeah, I already have a feeling we're going to have a hard time coming up with a good take on that episode. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's going to be the theme for this week, so <laughs> I guess we should just dive Let's right in. Let's jump in. in. Let's make this a quick week if we can. Let's jump in. Matthew, this week we watched Mud's Women. <laughs> Of the themes, the one that is the most of its time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll jump in on this one. Yeah, please. Uh, The Enterprise pursues an errant starship for some reason. I missed the very beginning. And it turns out it's loaded with sexy ladies who distract the crew to no end. Uh, These ladies are being brought to planets full of lonely men to be their wives, according to their scheming escort, Leo, something or other. Walsh. Uh, But everything is not as it seems. Nope. How about that? Yeah. Leave you in suspense. Uh, you didn't miss the beginning. They just straight up didn't say why they were after him. I see. I, I couldn't tell whether I had missed hit the opening part of that paragraph or if he, he just... went into an asteroid field and then they burned up all their lithium crystal circuits trying to keep him from getting blowed up. As is a common occurrence. 
what happens yep. to your lithium crystal circuits. Yeah, and then they discover that his mission is wiving settlers. Yeah. That part actually turns out to be sort of true. I mean, it ends up happening, but just because they need to go to a mining planet to get more lithium crystals. <sighs> I'm curious if uh, you can pick up the wailing of the wind in my microphone. It is as windy as a million shits right now. Yes, like, it... No joke, it rained basically for ten straight days in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think any of those days had this much wind. Yeah, it is windy as shits right now. So it, <clears throat> if you hear some weird ghost noises in the back, it's one, I have a ghost. And two, it's also windy as shit. Well, I wasn't detecting it, but maybe okay. it'll be a treat for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, that was just in case. Um, All right, uh, did you have a take on this episode? I mean... So this is challenging for me, because I think the take that they want you to have is something like, beauty is only skin deep. So that's what should matter, right? I only go with what I come up with if I can't figure out what they were trying to go with. You but, know what I mean? It seems like that is what they were... I had the same thing. Uh, looks don't matter, it's what's inside that counts. But if that is the take that they're going for, the last five minutes of the episode are bizarre. It was a different era. It was a different era, and the episodes that they made... This kind of fit in with the pilot, which we haven't covered. But where the guy's like, she was too ugly to come with us. And everyone goes, yeah, I get yeah, it. That's right. Yeah, Fred figures. She was pretty ugly. Uh, so, Matt, what I wrote down for Have a Take is, beauty is, like, super complicated. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and that is a take that I rated a one. <laughs> But Especially worded that way. That's a real who gives a fuck. <laughs> if you think... <clears throat> if you think that I have to give them credit for what they were... Alright, let's be fair. They were obviously trying to do Beauty is Only Skin Deep. Mm -hmm. Then I guess I have to bump that up, because that's... That's at least a take? It's even more though of it's a take? super generic and done 50,000 million times? Yeah, but it's an aphorism, right? Yeah. So, like, that at that take is only a three. Yeah, I gave That's it a, a three. I gave it a four. It feels generous, but I don't want to downgrade it based on just the other scores that I gave it. Yeah, it might, I might feel bad. <laughs> so he's giving them beauty drugs. Ven the Venus drug. Oh, is he? Is he giving them beauty drugs? Uh, well, is he giving them beauty drugs? Because in the end, guess what? She imagined that she was beautiful, and it happened. Okay, this with is magic true, powers, but also. Captain Kirk took away the real Venus drug, and they made up that placebo on the spot. He wasn't giving them a placebo the whole time. Sure. But still. So. She turned around. Does the drug do anything? Ate the placebo, turned around, and all her makeup was different. Yeah. What happened? Um. Magic happened. What ha happened was <laughs> magic. Okay. Uh. Yeah, would you give this on execution? I want to run through these pretty quick this week because they're all just garbage. Um, uh, I have to think if I have to change my score based on changing my take. Mm. <clears throat> Let me go first. I mean, it makes it worse because yes. Yeah, why don't you go ahead? I give it a zero. I give okay. it a zero out of ten because <laughs> it turns out what really matters is whether they'll cook for you. Um, right. Well, but that's part of beauty is only skin deep. Yeah, but that's a big fuck you to that. Oh, it's it is a super, it's a super fuck you to women. It's like, looks don't matter. It's whether or not they'll be your slave. 
uh, and believing in herself is what mattered in the end. And not just that, cooking, but also doing dishes. Doing dishes, yeah, doing that's, all the shit around the house. That's pretty important. <laughs> Again, and then when I saw that believing in herself is all that mattered, I just uh, whatever score w- this episode was going to get, execution went straight into the toilet. Uh, and plus, as Ben pointed out when he wrote in for this week... Oh, he did write in for this one. Okay, good. Uh, the main woman's name is Eve. Oh, yeah. So, like, clearly there, she's also going to have to give him babies. Well, I'm sure she will, happily. And he'll Look, go, you're pretty ugly, but you wash the dishes. This, everything about this episode is a real slap in the face mm-hmm. to women. Yep. Uh, these, these ladies are becoming... Like, weird sex property to Harry Mudd. Mm-hmm. By the way, did we say that that's his name? It's Harry Mudd. Harcourt Fenton Mudd. Yeah. Not, he's not actually Leo Walsh. This episode sucked a dick. Yeah, yeah, he's pretending to be a guy named Leo Walsh. He shows up. Oh, can we talk about his outfit real quick? Before oh. we, get, we don't have to get into quick hitters. Can but we talk about his outfit for 40 minutes? I have. Because it's the best. <laughs> Here's the comment I had. <clears throat> what is Mudd? A swashbuckler? A pirate? An artsy fellow? Marjan yeah. asked if he's an Irish. Well, it's because when he's Leo Walsh, he's putting on an Irish accent. By the way, did not pick a very Irish name. No, Leo Walsh is not it's the not most Irish. Seamus Finnegan or anything doing that accent. <laughs> but the best I could come up with was an artsy fellow. He's an artsy fellow. This is uh, this is what I when I saw him, I, I thought to myself, in the '60s when this came out, was there like was there a Harry Mudd costume boom the way in the late '90s everyone was Jack Sparrow for Halloween? <laughs> Maybe. Because he's like he's like ninety percent of the way to Jack Sparrow. Yeah, he he is a big he's a walking Halloween costume for sure. Uh also I, I realize this was meant to be watched on a thirteen inch uh black and white TV inside a fifty inch wooden cabinet mm-hmm. in your living room where everyone was nine feet away from it. Uh but his clothes look handmade to a degree that most of the costumes on the show do not like none of them look great. Yeah. In high def, watching on a good TV now, but his his looks so handmade that I found myself asking, "Did he make them? Like in like yeah, in universe is that part in of the universe? Plot? Did he make his clothes? Backstory: He makes his own shirts. Yeah. Oh, and definitely the definitely the short pants he made too, <laughs> or at least he decorated the left side of his short pants himself. It kind of um, makes you appreciate um, modern wardrobe departments, I guess, because it seemed like back then you could just give it a real half-ass effort and go, nah, no one's going to be able to tell. Right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I had originally given this a four for execution uh-huh. against the much stupider take that like, beauty is complicated. But if it's literally beauty is only skin deep, that bumps it down to a two for me. Okay. Because... It's if that were true, then the end of this episode should be like I remembered it in my brain because mm. I've seen this before. That in the end, the guy is like, "Huh, yeah, she figured out to use the sand to clean my pans." Like, yeah, my pans are gonna be way cleaner from now on. Like, maybe I do need help out here, and maybe I shouldn't be like, maybe I shouldn't shout in her a... face that she turned ugly. Such a straight creepo about it. Right. Um, Because if that was beauty is skin deep, that's what you'd expect. But no, he kind of doesn't come around until they pull the placebo stunt, and it turns out that she can look... 
Like, not exactly the same, because I think they took the Vaseline off the lens without the Venus drug. Right, yeah. But basically the same, uh, just by feeling good about herself. Like, I don't know how he's going to keep her feeling good about herself, but... I guess he could just shout at her to do her trick. (laughs) Do your magic! I know you can do it! I saw it before! Turn your head, and when you turn back, you'll look like a different person. But it is not until she demonstrates that she's beautiful again that he's like, Ah, well, okay then. You can clean pans and you can look beautiful on command? Alright. Um, like, how much should you take away from the execution... Okay, is it an execution problem or a take problem if the concept is so fundamentally flawed that that there's like a simple... And this is the thing that has been bothering me for, since about two minutes into the episode. Well, no, I guess since when they were explaining how they had to leave their farm planet and <laughs> Where there were no men. Planet and how are you men? supposed to like live a life without a man? Hey, why don't you go to Earth? <laughs> That's right. Go to, go to future Just go- Earth. Just go to Earth, and then, like... Go to future Earth, which is a paradise. And then go to college. Just go to Earth, and then go to college. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, find some better goals. Yeah, it's not you don't really... have to. You don't have to go live on a three-person mining planet. You don't have to. You know how much we complain about how we don't really understand what the Federation is or how it works in the next generation? Yes. We have, like, 1% of that knowledge in TOS. Oh, yeah, it's like, way worse. I have no clue at all who is in the Federation and how it works. Because you're right. They should just go, oh, we're, we're, no, there's no men on our planet. We're going to go to Earth. There's lots of men there. And also, it's a paradise. Let's just catch the next fucking freighter to Earth. Yeah, straight to Earth. The center of the Federation. You don't have to have a job there. It's Earth. But if they're weirdly, like, not Federation citizens, maybe they have, like, um, they have, like an immigration problem. You're not allowed to just go to Earth. I don't know. It's not explained. I have a couple more things to say about the execution of this episode. Go for it. So, uh, here's why I think the Venus drugs might must be something. Mm-hmm. Because they make McCoy's monitor go beep. I didn't do it exactly the way he did it. So, McCoy... Which, by the way, that's that's a reference to getting an erection, right? <laughs> exactly correct. Yeah, the way it goes up and pitch like that. Yep. I thought he was big into those ladies. But it turns out he just has uh, attention deficit disorder. Because when that lady's standing right in front of him, he gets mad distracted by that panel. Yeah. And can't even look at or talk to the sexy lady who has been distracting him otherwise. So I think it's just... His, his attention easily wanders. He is the... Well, I guess Spock is probably technically the least distracted, although he's not... Well, he's just mad about it. Yeah, he ain't up to... He ain't up to his usual standards here. He's, He's not just sitting over there with an eyebrow raised, enjoying watching the crew go nuts. He gave a hella sarcastic, witty head swing after the ladies walked out of the room in that one scene. Yeah, but uh, but McCoy is the one who sort of shakes it the best, and he's the one who asks Kirk if they're... Are they are they really more beautiful? Pound for pound. <laughs> pound for pound, I like that. Yeah, that's what he said. Than any other woman. And then you can tell Kirk's trying to... What I like about to... that idea is that it, it strongly implies that more pounds is better. Yeah, Kirk's trying to, like, weigh them in his head. He's like, well, that one's about, like, a buck twenty-eight. That's a pretty good point. Like, one thirty-five. Um, Yeah, I mean, maybe. So it's like, I guess the Venus drugs <laughs> must be real, because they do make his monitor go beep. Yeah. Like, we see the monitor go beep. That's why I I thought they must be robots. Maybe because of Mud's later adventures with robots, was coloring yeah, their perception. That's, that's cheating. You're bringing in... Yeah. 
later knowledge. But but then they made the pe- they made the monitor go all weird, and I went, oh maybe these girls are robots too. I didn't really exactly remember how this went. Right, and then I got um, the Venus drug. How half-assed was the casting for this these women? Um, was one of those like a Swede or a German? Uh, what was the yes, deal? Can there? we talk about it? Like, <laughs> two of them are such bad actresses that they must have been cast purely on their looks. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, that can't have been the two prettiest women in Hollywood in 1967. Well, you know that that German broad was picked for outstanding dancing. Oh, there was okay. a scene where she dances in this episode that had me pretty riled up. I was, I, I, I'm just going to say I was chubbed. Chubbed by her weird dancing. So it's like they couldn't just get two more actresses. No, dude. And do the same makeup tricks they were doing on the lead woman who was clearly the only one they even had read lines. I wonder if by the time this episode was filmed, if anyone even knew what this show was. Oh, probably not, right? This is week six. That's so. what I'm saying. It's probably just some weird chicks, some chicks that some dudes met, and they went, oh, I know some girls. You need girls for your episode? I know some girls. Yeah, like One's like a sweet, Lyle. does that matter? Like Lyle, that guy knows girls who would do a strip tease just for a ride in the car. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, they weren't, they weren't hot chicks, they didn't do a good job at reading, and, uh, or dancing. Just not great all around. Okay, so through the first two categories now, <clears throat> right? Uh, out of a possible twenty points, each of us could have given. Yeah, you have given four, correct, and I have given five. I wish I could say they're going to score higher on the back half of this. Um, like well, I want to say it. It did score <laughs> higher for me on the back half because uh, there's actually a lot of world building that happens in here. Um, go ahead. In my opinion, yeah, go ahead. Uh, master's licenses to operate ships. I did laugh at that a lot. How do you get a master's license? (laughs) Master's, do they make you parallel park? I presume it's it's the same way you get one now, if you know, through the Merchant Marine or whatever. Oh, okay. Like, this is a thing that exists now. They've just zoomed it into the future. Now it's a starship master's license. But it's nice that a civilian has to have some credentials. By the way, we will never see this again. That's correct. Any Star Trek property. Raised and dismissed. Yeah. Um, space lie detectors. Yeah, is that really I don't world think we've building? we've seen that yet. Yeah, okay, but... It, and I mean, by the way, that space lie detector's pretty good. Oh, it was hella good. It, As Ben points out, it definitely uh, it definitely lets them know that the entire uh, court-martial board or whatever uh, is fully boned. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um... That's if you couldn't tell from all the sweat on uh, on Scotty's upper lip or whatever. Sea ranches. Okay. Uh, a planet, a mining planet that is so automated that there are only three humans on it. Yeah, that seems to be actually what happens in every TOS episode. They go to a planet where exactly two people live every episode. Yeah. And you go, huh? That's what that future is like. How does this work? I know there are a lot of planets out there, but what the fuck? Yeah, it's the only inhabited planet, like, really inhabited planet, Earth. Go to Earth, ladies. Just just go to Earth. Why are you fucking around anywhere other than Earth? Earth is a paradise right now. That's correct. Uh, lithium crystal circuits. Yeah. Clearly money still exists. Yes. Like, there's definitely money. Harry Mudd is going to make some money somehow in this scenario he certainly thinks enough he's to, going buy to buy the enterprise yeah 
a thing that people in Star Trek think you can do of a military ship. Just buy it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, dude. I'm going to buy the Theodore Roosevelt. I'm just gonna, well, I, no, got, no, I got the money. Though. You can't, though, because the Navy isn't going to sell it. Yeah, but I got the money. Listen, um, do you have an aircraft carrier? Just answer the question. I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay, no, well, hold on. But I can see it. I can see the aircraft carrier. So you have an aircraft carrier, okay, right? Okay, yes. I've the, got the Theodore Roosevelt. so many billions of dollars. I'm going to buy the aircraft carrier. Uh, like, I can just purchase it. You can just uh, have the money. I've got the money. I'm good for it. But, I mean, I don't, like, the American people own it. Like, it's not. No, that, but but I have, I have, I don't know if you heard, I have a lot of money. And I want everything that's inside it, too. I'm going to buy all the uh, fighters and um, all the supplies in there, the nuclear reactor. I want everything. I want it intact. I want it as is. Uh, this is where I'm going to turn to my underling and ask what he thinks, and then he's going to tell me he thinks you're a Rusky. <laughs> and I'm not going to be impressed with his analysis. <laughs> Stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Of course he's a rusky, but he's a retard or something. That guy is the in a in a movie with with some standout guest performances. <laughs> that guy is the best. Interrogator on the aircraft carrier is awesome in Star Trek Four. Yep, presumably <laughs> FBI guy who's come aboard to interrogate Chekhov. Um, the, the Venus drugs and uh, I guess placebos work different in this universe. So that's <laughs> a lot of world building to me. I actually gave it a nine. What? Oh man! Yeah. But I, so many of those things seem so unimportant that it's like they're not. But they they really fill in the guess the parts of the show that we're never going to see. I had wiving of settlers is apparently still a thing, and also a lady's lot still sucks in the future. All cooking and cleaning for their brothers and having no men to marry. Yeah, and then I put magic. Magic is real. <laughs> so that's we a big world building, right? Week. Because uh, this is even pre uh, where no one has gone before. Or, or no, yeah, where no one has gone before. Where the traveler just goes, no, just like whatever you think is real. Uh, yeah, but it's post where no man has gone before, where you can get psychic powers that just give you magic. And everyone has already been raided. Everyone's been tested and raided. And everyone, every, everyone's got a score. <laughs> I gave it a two in world building because I just thought it was so terrible. None of the things that I said convinced you otherwise. No, because huh? I don't really care if there's a space lie detector, because we're going to see 50 more different kinds of space lie detector. What about sea ranches? I don't I don't know what that is, and I don't care. But they, but they must... Maybe it's dugongs. Maybe they got dugongs. Maybe. Maybe they're, maybe they're just raising dugongs for dugong milk. Uh, let's see. I just let's yeah, see I what, did not care. Let's see what Ben brought up. <clears throat> uh, round cards? <laughs> All right. Well, they do have round playing cards. That's true. Mar- I think Marjan was pretty impressed by those cards, actually. Uh, Kirk can perform subspace radio marriages. Uh, yes. I'm not sure if Kirk performs them. I don't know, but he does kind of shout those three words. He does shout subspace. They subspace were, he does shout radio marriage. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so how about do any of those impress you? At uh, all? all right. Subspace radio marriage, I guess, brings it up to a three. I'll give it a three. Okay. I did have that in my quick hitters. I didn't have it in a world building. Uh, so, characterization. Alright, so let me just... I'll go first here. Like I said, Spock gave her that hella sarcastic swing of his head after the ladies walk out of the room. He's easily frustrated by all of Mud's bullcraps. Uh, Sulu noticed the ladies. How he noticed. <laughs> That's how he put it. As he had his hands all over his fellow man there. 
again, McCoy, ADD, not actually not interested in ladies, just easily distracted. Kirk is desperate for any fight to start so he can jump in. Mm. Did you see him when they're down on the planet and the dudes start going at it? He is the first one in. Yeah. He, he was waiting. He was that. watching them and he saw their eyes and he's all, oh yeah, it's going to go down right now. He's got a lot of weird energy from having those women on the ship. Plus, <laughs> plus he's like permanently semi-horny for the ship itself. That's right. He doesn't need much to push him over the edge. It's he, it's tough to be him. But he's just all he's man, he's always willing. He's like he's like the old San Jose Sharks, man. He's first off the bench. If there's something going down, he's in it. So Um Yeah, he's the he's the Owen Nolan of space for sure. Uh so I can't say I enjoyed any of it except Kirk. And he doesn't do much else in the whole episode. He just kinda He's not impressed by the ladies and by mud. Well, this episode is going to score real low for you. Yeah, I gave this a two. Oh, boy. Because oh, that's very bad. Just because I, I, do, I just... I didn't think anything happened. I didn't think anything happened that gave us any new insight into any of the characters. I mean, Scotty was just, like, mesmerized by those ladies, but... I don't know. I, I didn't see anything. Did anything happen in this episode? Did, um, did any of the characters do anything? Uh, yeah, so, this helmsman... Yo, the creepy helmsman? That helmsman is so horny that he can't do his job even when there are no women around. Like, those ladies are not on the bridge, and he is losing his mind. Who, I, I had here in Quick Hitters, who hired the nervous freak to sit on the bridge? I think this is not the first time we've seen this guy. He he can't keep his shit together at all. No, he's losing it. Um, I think one thing was very, very telling. Mm. Did you notice there's no Yeoman Rand in this episode? Yeah, she got straight kicked out. Yeah, they were like, ah, uh, well, we can't have all these, we can't have Eve going after Kirk with Yeoman Rand around. And also, they didn't have Uhura do anything. Nope. Uh, how useless were Scotty and McCoy in this episode? Super useless. Again, pound for pound, the most useless, I think. If you want to go pound for pound. I think they were as useless as they get. Yeah. Uh, everyone says Kirk is married to the Enterprise, but he really doesn't act that way. Like, in this episode, they say several times that he's married to the Enterprise. But it's like, I don't know. What are they basing that on? <laughs> okay. This is like a weird stereotype about starship captains. Well, I don't think he gets too into the ladies. I think he keeps it together a lot better. He keeps it together better than some of the crew, better than that helmsman. Well, everyone keeps it together better than that guy. Did you think he? Did you get the impression Kirk was way into those chicks? I thought he was a little receptive towards Eve. Hmm. Maybe because she could speak English. I think she was the only one who could read. <laughs> I think so too. Actress or character? Um. Yeah. Uh, this is why, uh, this is why Janice Rand got phased off the show. It's because they wanted to have love interests for Kirk. Yeah. And they couldn't have her following him around. Yeah, and always being in his quarters and everything. How's he supposed to bring a chick home to bed? That's, it's hard when she's just hanging out in there. She's sitting in bed. Keeps her makeup in there, unless that's his makeup. It's probably his. We've covered this. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought characterization was pretty poor this week, too. I gave it a three. All right. Okay. Not much, yeah, I just, I feel like I didn't know anything more about the characters coming out at all. I just went, whatever, this is nothing. They didn't act like anything, they didn't do anything. So we've had disparities <clears throat> in our scores before. Mm-hmm. This one may be the biggest. 
Well, I didn't give it very many points. Uh, you gave it nine entire points. Yeah. And I think we I talked you up one. I think it was going to be eight. Mm-hmm. It was eight. I got I gave him a point on world building, and um, it was just for subspace radio marriage. Um, I gave it a seventeen. Eh, pretty big uh, difference. I don't want to jump too far ahead because we haven't negotiated the rest of the episodes. Seventeen was the highest score I awarded in my initial watching. Yeah. Um. I think the highest I gave was a nineteen. So right. we'll we'll get it. We'll get to yeah. I guess some so, more disparities between us later. Uh yeah. I guess there are <laughs> going to be some other ones coming up. Um. Some quick hitters. Some quick hitters here. Right. How old is Carmen Electra? If I had to guess, fifty. Is it possible that that brunette is Carmen Electra? That would make her what? Now? 70-something? In her 70s. Late 70s. It's possible. Yes, I'll say... Okay. I, like Mythbusters, I'll say plausible. Because she looked like her, although <laughs> she speaks and acts a little less well even than Carmen Electra. <laughs> That's so bad. But she would have had like 30 years to perfect her craft. That's true, between yeah. Between that time and when she reemerged. Maybe she's a vampire. That means our Carmen Electra, and yes, she is our Carmen Electra, uh, is the refined product. What? What did these miners think was going to happen? Like, they know the Enterprise is not the only ship in the fleet, right? Uh, to be honest, I'm not even sure I know that. Okay, well, alright. It's possible it's the only ship in the fleet. But Certainly like, the only think, one that's sent on these dumbass missions. Did they think they were going to be able to strong-arm Kirk into giving up all this stuff, and then, like, the ship just deterior the ship's orbit just deteriorates and crashes, and no, no one ever comes and looks into it? Or yeah. they get away with their deal and Kirk just leaves and he like doesn't report it to anyone and no one comes by. There's three of them on the whole planet. It's true that Kirk and Spock do seem to be like, well, he's totally got us over a barrel. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe temporarily. But like you said, I mean, someone can come and give you some more lithium crystals, crystal circuits. Lithium. Yeah. yeah. Or like... Okay, well, now there are five starships coming. I just got off the radio with uh, Space Commissioner Dominguez. I razzed him (laughs) a little bit about his chili peppers, but he's sending some ships. So how do you want to play this? Yep. You're going to be removed from this planet. You're not going to be mining shit. Incidentally, I brought down four people with phasers. Now what? That's right. There's four of us. What are you going to do? The the crew I brought down was more than the population of the entire planet. Yeah. What's your, I mean, what's your plan here, really? So you're suggesting Kirk strongarm them with phasers. I'm saying that, like, how did they think this was going to go? Yeah, they do. I think they get the feeling Starfleet's a bunch of pushovers for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, Childress hangs his pants too close together, man. They're going to get clean that way. Yeah. And I also they Space were... Space them out. They were on some real, like, haphazardly placed hooks. And I, I got the feeling it was a pretty windy place. I don't think yeah. he's going to find those pans in the morning. I think like, he's going to go out there and there's going to be no more pants. He doesn't even, they don't even have room to like turn. So <laughs> one side of them is going to get all scraped up. I was like, or, hopefully he pointed them the right direction. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just, even after yeah. she tells him what to do, he does a real bad job. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure she'll nag the shit out of him about it later. Uh, McCoy straight flubbed one of his, one of the last lines in the episode. What did he say? I, it's been so long that I don't remember it, but he yeah. like reverses an aphorism. And well, they just—they were just like whatever. They wanted to get out of this episode as much as you and I did. Yeah. By the end of that thing. Um. 
they don't seem to be able to figure this out. So Sulu is finally on the bridge where he's supposed to be. Yes. But now Uhura's in gold. She's in a gold uniform. Oh, I'm sorry. What McCoy says is, ever try considering the patent medicine business? <laughs> Have I tried considering it? No, I... Instead of ever consider trying the patent medicine business? <laughs> yeah. He says, ever try considering the patent medicine business? And everyone's just like, fuck it. That's it. Like, whatever. We're out of here. Uh, did you have any any other so, quick hitters? No, that's it. So they've got him in gold. Well, they got Uhura in gold. So they finally have Uhura Sulu on gold. the bridge. So that part's right. You're like, okay, Sulu's on the bridge. That, instead of in the fucking Arboretum or wherever he was before. Or, or He's not in a blue uniform sitting in the fucking observation lounge or whatever. So he's on the bridge. That's cool. But now Uhura's in a gold outfit. Yeah. And I was like, well, all right. I can't figure out what they're doing. I think she's in gold in... Uh the soft pilot the second pilot i don't remember the name of it right the man trap yes that was the one that i think the man trap won that week it did um is mud's chest hair fake or is that dude just just rocking just it? like real gross and he's just only shaves from there up and they're like well a whole bunch of it is sticking out and there's a real sharp delineation yeah, I assume it's an Austin Powers situation, for sure. Uh, and what did you think about that um, early, super great hallway butt shot? Oh. Like, there was one very loving butt shot right in the beginning. Yeah, again, this was a great era for women. And this episode was a masterpiece. Um. So, okay, so they act like they haven't seen a woman in, like, 50 years. Like, everyone on the ship. There's a lot of women on there's, that ship. Yeah, there's ladies all over that ship. Yeah. I don't know I don't know what's going on. Um, there's like, when Charlie X came aboard, they had no trouble finding a 17-year-old for him. Yeah, they're like, oh, here's someone your age. I don't know why she's here, but she's here. So, you know. She's, she enlisted, man. She's a yeoman third class. Do your thing, Charlie. Um, they do refer to Spock as being half Vulcanian. Yep. <laughs> which is always good. I always enjoy that. It's not the only time it happens. Every once in a while, somebody slips a Vulcanian in there. Uh, the guy who played Mud was easily the best actor on this episode. Even if his, I'm so frustrated with these dumb broads, I want to hit them shtick, is very period specific. Oh, yeah. He was still the best actor on the show. There's a, definitely a reason they brought him back for round two. Yeah. In um, a show that has basically no repeat guest characters. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I mean, unless you count like Nurse Chapel. No, nah, I don't count that because that's that's like a that's like an O'Brien. She works yeah. there. Um, dude, Scotty's old bone ain't gonna satisfy these space beauties. Like, who's he fooling? No, he's walking he... around looking like he's about seventy-five years old. <laughs> Seriously, he looks so old. It's his bad teeth. I think his bad teeth. Uh, are doing most of the work. I mean, he's old. He's the, I think he's the oldest one on the crew, if it wasn't DeForest. I think DeForest De wears it so much better. I think DeForest was technically older, but Scotty just looks so decrepit. That dude looks like he smoked 40 cigarettes a day, for sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, during the lie detector scene, are those ladies, was that actually their backstories for those ladies that it spits out? Because I, I, 
I thought maybe it only caught some of the lies and didn't catch their fake backstories, but maybe those were the real backstories and I was still under the impression they were robots at that point. No, I I don't think they were super worried about lying to that lie detector. I don't think they slipped anything by it. All right. Okay. Except that they're take they just didn't mention that they're taking the Venus drug. Um well, Do you think is this the first comedic use of a lie detector in television? That is a very good question. Do like, could there be an earlier one? When was, like, Get Smart? Was that before this or after this? It feels like a better show. Doesn't, well, doesn't that makes feel... me think it should be later than <laughs> Yeah, this. doesn't that feel like the kind of gag that would happen on something like that? It does sort of feel like the kind of gag that would happen on something like a Get Smart. But, like, I can't imagine... I think Dragnet was probably before this, but I can't imagine they did too many lie detector goofs. Yeah, that doesn't seem uh, where the computer just sasses him about his name until he says Harcourt Fenton Mud. (laughs) Let's see. Wait, hold on. Get Smart is an American comedy. Blah blah blah. Released on September nineteen sixty-five. Uh, er, let's Google here. Earliest lie detector. (laughs) See if the Google knows the answer to this question. But I think technically, if they did it on Get Smart, it's at least the same era, and possibly before. Boy, I'm looking at these pictures in this Wikipedia article for Get Smart, and uh, this could not have been a good show. There's a 0% chance this was a good show. Why has nobody, why has nobody written an oral history of the world's first televised lie detector goof this is like when we tried to look up whether or not it was a hate what the coasters did was a hate crime and google did not have an answer well no specifically whether it's a hate crime to listen to them now (laughs) google didn't know which made me very unhappy because i figured someone would have been all over that uh let me let's let's put this provisional if this was the first lie detector goof on tv would that raise the execution points of the episode no (laughs) (laughs) no i don't think i can i don't think i can give it any points (coughs) i feel like it was that this episode was a crater like this this is a smoking crater of an episode so execution points are are not gonna work i think we spent almost 40 minutes on this thing already okay yeah let's uh let's see if there's a let me just total it up ben by the way gave this a 22 Ah, so he he gave it the, the he gave it a score. six for beauty is only skin deep and a Come four on. for execution. Come on, uh, five for world building, but he gave it a seven for characterization. Wh- which... What happened? Oh, all right, I'll just leave it to Ben. He ben, thinks Spock did it better. Ben, when I see you in six months or something, just tell me what happened in this episode that made you give so many characterization points. Yeah. Um. But he the quick hitter that uh that he adds to this picture is that he thought that the. Uh, the voiceover was finely helpful. Like, it, that it actually did help to have explained what was happening by Kirk. Yeah. And in uh, this episode. Hopefully he wasn't crazily changing tenses and shit like he normally does. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with that, it is on to... Uh, oh, by the way, with the total, that's a 26, which is not great. No. Uh, it is on to Lonely Among Us. While transporting delegates from two enemy factions to a conference, the Enterprise encounters an electrical cloud in space. Sparks begin moving from character to character, naked now style, as well as causing system failures. 
Eventually, the electricity enters Picard, who takes the ship back to the cloud and beams himself into space. They get him back right away, though. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, not much of a take in this episode. I didn't know what to do. Um, what I said was, some life seems alien and repulsive, but there's always a way to get along. All right. (laughs) What was that worth to you? I gave it a four. I don't know. Um, had a tough, tough time. After I watched this episode, I stared at my empty notes. Just, uh, just real quick, uh, let me just tell you in like one sentence why I said that. Um, there's a lot of interplay between the crew and the delegates they're ferrying. And you know, I get it that you're trying to work the B-plot in. And, and then, of course, the quest to understand that energy being and for him <laughs> to understand them. Whatever that energy being was that kept going in everybody. Right, yeah. That's all I had. That was it. Um, That's it. That's all I got. I see. I really think you're doing work trying to figure out mm-hmm. how the B plot connects up to the A plot. For sure. Uh, if you throw aside the B plot, which is what I eventually decided I had to do when I could not make them come together in a useful way. Uh, I decided that this episode is about curiosity. Okay. That curiosity is the driving force of intelligent life. Oh, okay. But that's a three for me. <laughs> Um, now, why is it why is it only rated three? You just don't think that's a strong a strong premise for an episode. I, they or? didn't state it strongly. Let's they put it that way. Certainly did not. They didn't state anything. This, uh, if Ben gave his, this did, is, he, did he say this weird is one where I space? wanted somebody to shout? It turns out it's man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's consult Ben. Because uh, normally ben, in this situation, he says weird shit happens in space. Ben wrote here challenging preconceived notions of consciousness slash life. That's okay. But then he also wrote, gosh, I don't know. That's ex- that's almost exactly what I had. It's close. <clears throat> uh, but no, his is about what is alive, and yours is about... Finding a way to coexist. Right. Yeah. Uh, the problem, of course, with my take is that the B-plot completely undercuts it. Yes. Um, but... It is the thing that Picard and the Entity have in common that allows them to stay merged. Mm-hmm. And presumably the reason the Picard half agrees to just go into the cloud. <laughs> yeah. the He must not have been truly conscious, the Picard half, because what does he think is the second part of that? Does he know they're just going to go bleep, bleep, bloop, you're back? I mean, no, he gets back into their systems, but I'm just... I, because Troy, who can, in this episode, suddenly read his goddamn mind, yeah. uh, announces that the the merging didn't take. <laughs> so, I think we have to assume it did not go to plan. Right. Uh, so, what did you give it on execution? Oh, a two. I straight up gave it a two. Um, the Because I think this is an episode about curiosity... The Entity is an explorer, and Picard is an explorer, and they have that in common, but no one else is curious about anything that's happening on this ship. Uh, Beverly acts crazo bonkers. Oh, God, she does. And everyone's like, oh, fucking that fucking woman. <laughs> like, sh- when she leaves the bridge, they're just like, mm. <h. <laughs> Like, no one follows up. Wesley doesn't follow up. You're right, they don't... Like, 
care why she's there. They just want her to leave. Remember the <laughs> entity that is curious asks him about yeah his his weird studies. Then when she comes back in and she's like, "Man, I don't, I don't, I don't remember, remember any about that. that." And you know what? I don't really care. And he's just like, "All right, well." Ordinarily, I'm the kind of person who would be the only one who noticed something like this, but I guess not this episode. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, just the the crew is aggressively not curious about the delegates eating each other. Yes, that's true. Like, and there's that scene where the one guy is like, "Oh yeah, we were. What were we doing last night? We were eating. Oh, for eight hours. It was a very interesting animal." And they just go, "Yeah, whatever." I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You guys cool, eat a cool, lot. Cool. I get it. I'm barely busy, though. Yeah, so. that's right. We got some stuff going on over here in the A-plot. I don't know if you heard. Chief I mean, we, we really don't. We're just, we turned around and we're going back to the cloud. That's basically it. I don't know if you heard about co, co-engineer co thing. I don't really know what his title is. He, assist, one of our assistant chief engineers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard about him, but he's dead, so we're kind of dealing with that. So it's cool that you're eating, but can you just t- just talk amongst yourselves? Yeah, so because I thought that this was an episode about curiosity, and they they did a real ham-handed job of addressing it. I mean, they just they shit the bed. So I give it a two. Well, let me let me play devil's advocate for your for your take. Could it be that the B plot with the Antikins and the Soleil is supposed to be playing against the A plot, where those two cultures? are supposed to be looked down upon by the audience and they're looked down upon by the crew because they show no cultural curiosity at all and only want to murder and eat each other and are not interested at all in overcoming or finding common ground or learning about each other or anything like that. Like that the B-plot is supposed to be... This is what happens when you're not trying to find that common ground. These guys are just... But if that's the case... Being a bunch of angry dicks... Then shouldn't the crew look down on them because they're not interested in getting along with the other people in their star system and not because they eat meat. It's true. They do. They do make some real, they do some face acting. Like it's pretty clear that Yar and probably Riker and he's just being cool about it. Just think of these guys as like shitty little barbarians. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, I gave the execution a four. Okay. First of all, this episode didn't make any goddamn sense. No. And what's weird is, I, I've seen this episode before. I don't hate it. Yeah. I just, I like trying to follow it, trying to actually follow the plot points and figure out what was happening was much worse than just watching the episode. Because the whole time I was oh, going, sure. that didn't make any sense. That was stupid. Why did that happen? That doesn't make sense. Um, and the Antikins and the Slay never even try to find a way to get along. They straight up murder each other. So... So we, kind of, we kind of had the same point on that, where it's like, they didn't do anything to support anything that's happening in either of our takes. Yeah, this is just, they're just on a taxi ride to the place where they're going to hash out their differences, and they don't care about killing the other delegation. No. Nope. Like, that's definitely going to improve their chances for peace. Yep. There's snares and cattle prods and shit. So I give it a four on taking a four on execution. Yeah, well, you, you've been more generous than me so far. Um... Does your generosity extend also to world a building? Okay, not really. I mean, the Soleil and the Antikins are new. We learn a little bit about them, mainly that they hate each other. Parliament is new. I don't know what that place is. 
Sounds yeah, Parliament f- is is inter- slightly interesting. Sounds fancy. It's like the fancy peace planet. And there's still a lot of ongoing engineering confusion. I don't know who works there or why. I don't know how it works. I don't understand the system they have in place for running engineering. I yeah. consider that world building because I apparently that's just a normal thing to have like nine chief engineers, whatever. Um, in terms of other world building, I mean, okay, if I understood what happened with that energy being, I could explain it in world building, but I don't know what it was. There's an energy being out there. I don't know. That's all I got. It's a total four for you. I gave it a four. Well, it got a four from me also. Uh, Parliament is the most interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the place where people go to hash shit out. Um, two races that are actively at war with each other can apply to join the Federation. And they go together. Their application is joined. Like, you ain't gotta get your shit figured out? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> nope. They, they join, they, they're, they're like up, stick up. It's a partnership deal. Like, it's a it's a combo. Like, can... later on, and again, this is cheating, we're going to see a planet that has, like, 20 super soldiers in jail. Mm-hmm. A jail that they admit is nice. <laughs> yep, pretty sweet jail. Uh, and Picard is going to use their membership as leverage. Yes. Like, oh, oh you guys got this one shitty aspect? Well, why don't you clean up your shit, and then we'll talk. You want that recommendation. But two species that are actively at war. That's cool. And then, um, again, just shows you the disinterest of the people on the ship. They're killing and eating each other on the ship, and they still aren't like, you know what, we're turning this ship around. We're turning uh, it around! We're not going yep. to Parliament. Yep. Apparently, uh, hypnosis is a oh, yeah. well-regarded treatment that works on both Klingons and humans. It's another one where I had it in the quick hitters and not in the world building. That should go in world building. Um, so I guess hypnosis has come a long way. It's really, it really makes this episode an artifact of its time, I think. Yeah. Uh, beings of pure energy exist. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that. human personalities can survive as pure energy under the right circumstances. And they can go into your circuitry and make a pee show up on your console. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. So not only is there a form of life out there, it is a f- apparently, even in the way it exists, it is uh, very able to communicate with people. It yeah, he understands how to work a computer from the inside to make a P display. I'm trying to figure out how it knows how to do that, because you know Picard doesn't know how to do that. He couldn't do it if he was on the outside of the console. Yeah, he could but... not make that thing display a P if he wanted to. But from in the guts, he can do it? Ugh. All right. Like, he can get into... Like, let's be generous and say there's, like, an image buffer. This is, like, an Atari 2600 <laughs> right. or something. He's in there in between screen refreshes. But, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I want to take away points. But that's not world building for me. That's a characterization mistake. Okay. Um, And I gave characterization a one. I don't know, like, why prolong this discussion. Yeah. It did... It did a bad job in, in virtually every respect. Tasha is so close-minded mm-hmm. about them eating meat, and she cannot get the shit smell look off her face. Oh, yeah. Nobody cares that Beverly's acting weird. I think I brought that up. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Chief Engineer Argyle, but he's not there. Where he is ain't he? around. Well, I have this in Quick Hitters. So if he's the Chief Engineer, and you're calling him Chief Engineer, why isn't he in any of these meetings? Is he on PTO? What's going on? 
Uh, he really should be invited. I mean, the whole ship's breaking. You should probably call him. Um, Ridiculous. Picard is so mad about the ship being broken. He's so mad about it. Yeah. Like, we will never see that again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he doesn't get this mad about most things. <laughs> but three things don't work on the ship. He's losing it. Yeah. Uh, Yar just didn't get that hint that the Antikins were eating a Soleil. Nope. Again, we again. I think disinterest was the correct uh, description of what was happening. They were not interested at, the, at all. In what it was. And then at the end, when they do figure out that there's probably been a murder mm-hmm. of one of these diplomatic delegations on board his ship, he's just going to delegate that to Riker. Yeah, and can, like they have kind of like a uh, it's like a funny thing that happened. Like <laughs> they're eating each other. I think that's your duty. You'd go deal with the murder. I'm pretty tired from being an energy being. It's like, so wow. that's a one for me, even if you leave out data being Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Which I wish they left out. I wish Which they, they should have left out. Yeah. Uh, I give it a four. Um, Picard, still big dogging Riker in staff meetings. Just Absolutely. shouts in his face when he's sitting next to Engineer Singh about why the ship is broken and how come he's not fixing it. Um, Riker apparently thinks doing diplomacy is just constantly yelling at the delegates. Just yelling in their face. Yep. Uh, fantastic. We get to see the genesis of Jada's obsession with Sherlock Holmes. I'm so pumped for that. Yep, so excited that that did happen. Uh, you already talked about hypnotist Troy. Uh, Worf is very ambitious, trying to get ahead. See what it gets you? See what it gets you, Worf? Oh. You get zapped. Yeah, well, I'll talk about that in my... I have a quick hitter about that, too. (laughs) Um... Jordy dismisses Wesley so hard in engineering. It's like they've already forgotten what happened in the last episode. Yep. When everyone was ignoring him. Uh, yeah. he Literally sh- the last episode. He shuts him down. He's like, but how can it fix itself? And he's like, shut up. All right, it's fixed. Yeah. And by the way, an- another example of nobody being curious. That's right. I do think that Jordy has literally the only effective line delivery in the entire show. When he goes, he's just floating around out there. How can we settle for that? Yeah, but that is the best acted piece of that's this the entire show. Only part of the episode where I went, huh? Yeah, yeah a human might say that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a realistic response. Like, how can also we that way, that? that's <laughs> how a human might say that. Right. So I I give Levar Burton credit for that because that was the yeah, only. You're right. that, how can we how can we settle for that? Is the probably the best line of the episode. Yeah. So I, I gave that a four. I gave fours across the board. Yeah, you you rated this one a sixteen. I gave it but ten. Yeah. So that was kind of a big difference between us. But we agreed that it sucked. Yeah, it sucks. It's a sucky episode, it turns <laughs> yeah. out. I never, like, this was to me kind of a whatever filler episode, but uh, no, it turns out it's a suck episode. Yeah. Uh, ben gave it a 17, so right he on. gave it a 5 for execution, Okay, but a 6 for world building. Okay. Um, He mentioned the dress uniforms, which I th- think this is actually the first time we've seen oh, them. Oh, all right. Well, that's something. So, that is something. Okay. Uh, and just a three for characterization. Yeah. Like, uh, clearly Riker, he says clearly Riker's not too power hungry, because he was not, in, no one was interested in relieving Picard of duty. Which, also, by the way, Picard hadn't done shit. Yes, they They have. went to that mutiny meeting so quick. <laughs> and But they even mentioned it. They're like, well, this isn't really enough for a mutiny, but still. Yeah. Um... Uh... Let's do some quick hitters, I guess. Yeah, here, let me uh, let, let me go first this time. Uh, yeah. Even, strangely enough, economic systems. <laughs> right. Yeah, yep. I get it. 
I guess was, the Cold War. The Cold War sucks and it's what, stupid. I see what it. you guys did there. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Um, that's some pure sci-fi. Yeah, that's like a, that's what I like to call basic sci-fi, and I always tell Marjon that's her favorite kind. Yeah, except that um, if it was basic sci-fi, that would have been the plot of the episode. Yeah. Uh, the audio sounded hella weird in this episode. At, it did. It was, it was mixed weird. At times, it sounds like Picard is being overvoiced by an impersonator. <laughs> there are times where he's like, well, let's make it so, and you're like, wait, what? That was not Patrick Stewart. I mean, the whole thing does sound a little bit like it. This episode sounds like it takes place inside a huge barrel. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's too much bass, and it's, like, weirdly reverberating. I think this was the audio solution they came up with to get over all the uh, the footfalls you can hear in all the episodes. Yes. This was like the in-between before they found the right settings. Um, Do they ever use that sensor maintenance set again? Mm. Where Worf gets zapped? They probably redress it and use it as other things. Like, yeah. It's probably also the hallway in main engineering where the master systems display is. Like, Maybe. I'm sure that on X-Astris Ciencia there's a reuses of the sensor diagnostic room set page as, as usual we must direct people to the useful version of this podcast yeah which is the website ex astra Ciencia, which is the german guy's website yeah that's how we refer to him his name is burned yeah. uh and he's got a by the way he's got a lot of good opinions his, about star trek website, i mostly agree with him his website's better than this show you should oh yeah to, for sure tons he, better you should go to that he just hasn't thought of doing this specific week by week comparison yeah uh, um, Crusher was yeah, okay. killing it in her surgical VR headset. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. That's a good look. I actually applauded that when I saw it. It was just a great, great, great idea. Uh, we already talked about why Singh is the one in the meetings if he's not the chief engineer. Um, how does Data not know what a private eye is? Yep. How is that possible? Uh, yeah, Data... Uh, he's a dictionary. It's just lack of curiosity. There you go. Data is, is not curious either. He hears these terms, but he doesn't bother to look them up until he repeats them and someone says, yeah, you know, and then he looks them up. Yeah, because then he's instantly... Because he has all it. the information. That's what I'm saying. What a lazy, just lazy. fuck. Um, I didn't remember that terrible casual outfit Crusher's wearing in this episode. That horrible red mess. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's in my quick hitters, I too. I wish I had not seen it this time around. Uh, there's some real cheesy X-Files type music in this episode in the back. Oh, yeah. Throughout all the uh, electrical being stuff. Crusher's hypnosis acting is the fucking worst. She's, mm. When she's acting like she's been hypnotized by Troy, she is... I had to almost turn it off. It was so Yeah, bad. they should have done it the other way and done it with Worf and then had Troy turn to <laughs> yes. Crusher and say, that's almost exactly what you said. <laughs> the less we hear Tr Crusher, the better. Uh, yeah, and then again, he changed course? Mutiny! Oh, that's yeah. not that's not a good enough reason? Yeah, but still. Like, he's gonna do way crazier shit later, and they take way longer to get to mutiny. But, again, that's future knowledge. Uh, the more frightens Crusher, but elates Picard, in case you were wondering. What does? The more. The more frightens us, but it elates us. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, why does it act so differently when it's inside Crusher than when it's in Picard? Uh, I have to assume that Crusher's got a running internal monologue that's hard to tune out. Disrupt, probably. Yeah. <laughs> She's like the Britta of this show. She kind of is. Uh, and then, uh, just nothing about the end of the episode made any sense at all. Any of the stuff that happens to Picard. Yeah, I got some quick hitters, okay. too. Why does Jordy think it's weird that Worf is helping with the sensor diagnostic when um, when he's the ship's pilot? And he's there doing it. Why? Yeah. And he's a junior officer. 
And he's like, what are you doing here, Worf? He's just and afraid Worf Worf's getting in on his shit. And Worf gives his sassy delivery because the captain likes his junior officers to learn, learn, learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, how come he doesn't say, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, same thing as you. We're brown nosing. We both just, pulled this shitty duty. Let's call it what it is. We're both brown nosing. Uh, is this the only time there'll ever be a transporter room six? Jesus, that does sound like a lot of rooms. So, like, six is a lot. Yeah. Normally they have, like, a couple, maybe three, I and then they start doing cargo bays and stuff. Later on, I think they turn five and six into a game room. Uh, so this just got, like, it barely got dropped in there, but is the Federation considering admitting these two clown races because the Ferengi have been making overtures? Yeah, that's a good question. Because otherwise, like, does that, what's happening? Does that explain why there's even a shot for these people? Because they say Ferengi contacts have been detected on both worlds. Yeah, that could be why. They were really afraid of the Ferengi in the first two episodes of this show. Yeah. Uh, Beverly seems to have invented the Slanket. Oh boy, that was a real problem when I noticed that. I've watched yep. that episode 50 times, I've never noticed that. I mean, it's too bad that costume designer didn't patent it. Shame how. It's basically a Slanket. Uh, just cool with everybody that Data smokes pipe tobacco in the observation lounge. Like, well, this is not a no-smoking ship. I guess they determined secondhand smoke is not a real thing in the future. And he's a oh. robot, so who cares? Yeah, well, obviously no one cares what happens to Data. Mm-hmm. He's going to stick his whole head into every portal that ever appears, so... <laughs> the smoke ain't going to hurt him, but, like... Yeah, it's he... not... The ship doesn't try to put out his pipe? That's true. Yeah, there's no, like, dangerous alarms that going off or anything like that. Anyway, not a great episode, um, but it totals up to twenty six, also, which tie ties it ties it right up with uh, with all Mud's women. God, those are bad. Those are and, both bad. Uh, ben didn't have any quick hitters for this one, so that brings us directly to uh, Culus. An old TNG friend visits DS9, hoping to sell off some artifacts she found on a planet somewhere. Oh, wait, it's not an old friend, it's just Vosh. And guess who came yeah. with her? Q. Great. Yeah. Coincidentally, shit goes wrong on the station. That's it, right? Sta- shit goes wrong on the station? Well, I mean, it turns out that the dumb uh, glowing crystal that she's selling at auction is a space baby. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? I'm sorry, I found I found it so hard to pay attention to this episode. It's an egg, a space manta ray egg. That's fine. That's that's fine. Matt, what is this episode about? Uh, I I put there are there are things more dangerous than Q. Like and I what? said that because they like that space baby egg, that space manta egg. It's not more dangerous than Q because they're like the whole time they think Q's the problem, but he just keeps pointing them. Towards what is really the problem. I mean, kind of. I don't he know. Kind of points them to it. What did you have for a, a, the amazing take? No, no, this no. Episode? Listen, that's fine. It's just I don't think that thing was more dangerous than Q. All right. Well, I gave it a three. That's a three. Well, listen, I gave it a two. Okay. Because to me, this episode is uh, correlation does not imply causation. So, because Q showed up, doesn't mean the problems were Q created. Right. Okay. I get you. We'll see this. Uh, we'll see this done better in an episode that was written and aired several years earlier of the Next Generation. Okay. 
when they assume Q is responsible for that asteroid. Yeah, it's true. That was kind of the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, um, uh, no, you can go ahead. Go ahead. So, Q-less is a pun on clueless, I suppose. That's what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, they're not all good. Like, hide and Q doesn't really make sense for what that episode's about. Right. Yeah, there some of them... Yeah, that's a really good point. But, well, like, true Q... Q who? That one. Does, I guess they're one... not mostly. I guess they're mostly not puns. But Qless has got to be a pun. Yeah, uh, maybe. It's... Unless it's about his contention that Vash is going to hate being without him. Yeah. Why does he? Oh care? God! Is it not a pun? Why does he care though? Does he, why does he care? God, why does he he's care? Lonely. He's lonely for sure. That's my top of my characterization list. Q is lonely. I gotta be honest. I'm just gonna be honest. We're gonna go through the numbers. I think this is the worst episode I've seen of any of the shows during this project. I think this is the worst one. Uh, I this was episode sucks. so unhappy watching this whole episode. Yeah. Uh, so okay. Well, then let's try to move through it a little yeah. faster. What did what what was your execution score? Given the shitty take I had, I gave it a five. Q seems the villain, but actually serves to point the crew towards something much more dangerous, which is Vasha's artifact. Does that make Vosh even worse than Q? I don't know. Maybe Vosh is what's worse than Q because she's such a bitch. Okay, let me say this. I don't think Q acts particularly villainous in this episode. I think O'Brien just tells people that he's bad, oh, and everyone's like, oh yeah, this guy sucks a dick. I got some good stuff about O'Brien. Like, that's really, cool. Q acts jealous. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah, but I mean, he seems like he's the villain, right? Because of his his past. So they all assume he's the villain when he yeah. shows up. But he is the whole time he's going, nah, it ain't me, man. Why don't you take a look around? Take a look and see what it is, because it's not me. I'm not doing it. Well, that's, I think that's better support of my premise. Oh, no, both of our premises are true, right? Yeah. I mean, mine is like, they want us to think that there's something that's even more dangerous than Q showing up. It's that I don't know. People aren't paying attention to what, what's really the problem. I don't know. Is the problem is the misuse of archaeological artifacts? Yes. And they should all be at the Daystrom Institute, which we know. Yeah, well, that's where they belong. The one museum in the future. There's only the one. Maybe they have a lot of branches. Maybe there's a lot of those. I don't know, dog. I gave a five on the execution, but I, I could be, I could be swayed. But you were generous. I gave it a two. Um, it's just, I mean, it's it's a characterization problem, but it's an episode problem. Nobody is uh, at all curious about what happened to the runabout. Right. And then when the station starts doing the exact same thing, nobody no, yeah. nobody link. checks to see if something something from the runabout is causing the problem. It's doing the same thing. Yeah. And then just generally, you, you can't make the show all about Vash. She can't carry it. She's a throwaway it, character from two episodes. It was the next weird. Generation. Like, dialogue with Vosh and Q comprises... Just one of them talking comprises like 75% of the episode. Yeah. And they are not members of the cast. 
No. It's really, it's basically the writers of VS9 admitting that the characters we have created are not interesting as things currently stand. It's like a backdoor pilot for a show about Vosh and Q that no one ever God. intended to make. Oh, I really hope they didn't, because can you imagine, can you imagine how fucking boring that show would be? It's a big old two for me. All right. Um, uh, world building. Yeah. Well, uh, world building. So, uh, also a two. I thought there were two slightly interesting things. What do you got? Space manta ray egg. All right. Cardassian coffin shaped beds. Like I said, I gave it a two. Boy. I give it a one. And also, if those weren't reused bio beds, I would give it more. Like, they didn't invent those for that. Yeah. I gave it a one. I, um... Vosh has been to the Gamma Quadrant. She's been there. So there's, yeah. been, there's been a human there. Yeah, Q took her there. Who cares? Yeah, I don't fucking know. I gave it a... I could give it a zero. Q took the whole ship to the Delta Quadrant. Who gives a shit? Should I give it a zero? If you want. I feel like I should give it a zero. I couldn't come up with anything. That was the only thing you had, huh? Let's give it a zero. Can I give it a... I'm going to give it a zero. Let's check in with Ben. That's fucking nothing. Maybe Ben can help us here. This was a real fucking nothing episode. Uh, World building. Secure assay chamber. Well, I know you're an accountant, Ben. (laughs) But... That's not interesting. (laughs) No. Although some of the things that you've pointed out in these, I've also gone, well, so. That's a good point. (laughs) Like lithium Uh, crystal circuits. Cardassian quarters that are not renovated. Oh, boy. We are all struggling. (laughs) The tall trader towards the end has, and then he's put this in bold, rotten vagina mouth. All right. (laughs) I don't know how that's world building, but all right. So this is what I'm saying. I would like the writers of this episode to listen to this episode of our podcast. So that they could feel bad about what they did? <laughs> so they can understand their crime. Which what was did you not score it? making a terrible show. It was making the least interesting episode of anything anyone has ever seen. Have you picked a world building score? I'm giving it a zero. Downgrading zero to it a is. zero. Because really, nothing happened. That is rough. I don't know if I've even issued a zero. I've issued two this week. Oh, no, I have. I gave uh, Code of Honor a zero for execution. <laughs> Think of how much after, fun that episode was to watch in comparison to After Lonely to Among Us, I almost wanted to <laughs> take it back. Um, no, I'll, I'll stand by it. The execution of that episode is dump. All right, let me jump of in. Of the premise. Whatever I said the premise was, because... Who cares? Uh, oh, because uh, Picard acts real shitty in it, too. Picard's a big old hypocrite. Let me let me jump into characterization so we can speed yeah, let's through do this. That. Uh, Bashir is a dope, but I guess he's cleaning up some Bajor, some Bajoran muff in the beginning of that episode. So uh, I guess uh, I my instinctive take on it is that that woman is going to rob him. Oh, okay, good, <laughs> good. She's a predator. That's good. Yeah. That makes me feel better. Uh, then he moves straight on to Vosh for some reason, even though she's like twice his age. I don't understand what's happening there. Uh, yeah, because she was conceived as a reasonable romantic interest for Picard. Yep. And Picard and Bashir are just so much alike. Uh, I guess really just like three years ago, huh? O'Brien still hates Bashir. You can just Uh, see it in his eyes. Hasn't Um, come around on him yet. Also, O'Brien is... I just want to say this. He's so invisible that even Q, who's omniscient, doesn't notice him watching him. Uh, I think... Q's omniscience 
is he's in the data style of omniscience. Yes. Where if he pays attention to something, he can know it. But, but you he know doesn't what I mean? care about shit. The scheming yes. cue does not even notice that O'Brien is ten feet from him and staring right at him. I have a slightly different take on that, but... I, yes, I agree. O'Brien is a real cipher. He's nothing. Um, Q points out how sour Cisco seems, and it's true. There is no fun in Cisco in this episode or many of the others that we've seen. Well, he is a real, like, just stoic hard ass. But, I mean, he's also, so far, still the guy who, in the pilot, didn't want to be there. Yes. But it's not fun to watch. I don't like watching Cisco. And we haven't revisited any of the reasons why he decided to stay. That's because they don't want us to think too hard about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I got no fun out of watching these idiots. I gave it a two. A two. Uh, okay, I gave it a three. And um, so Q is lonely. Sure. Like, both in his interaction with Vosh and in his baiting of Cisco. Like he's trying to develop him into a Picard style adversary. Right. Because he's such a lonely, lonely man. Uh, so my take on O'Brien and Q is that O'Brien thinks of himself as having been a bigger part yes. of the Enterprise's adventures than he was. You can tell because he goes, he tells Vosh, it's me, O'Brien, from the Enterprise. And she, and yeah. you can tell she's pretending. She's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. But like, think I about know it. you. Did, has Q had any interaction with O'Brien at all? No, there's no way. And didn't have any, like... Well, O'Brien is on the battle bridge in episode one, but I guess Q doesn't make where it. Where Q never appears. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. No. Uh, and O'Brien is not a part of the Borg incident. No. He's not a part of the Robin Hood stuff. He's not no. the vish, in the Vicious Animal things no, episode. I don't believe he's around. He has when, nothing to do with Amanda Rogers. I don't believe he's around when Q becomes a human. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think they don't have any interaction. But still, yeah. he's Q. You'd think he'd know who was there, but no. He's but, but what O'Brien feels like he has a personal relationship with Q, and also, you know that for the last six weeks or however long in real time he's supposed to have been on board this, this station, mm-hmm. he has been dining out on stories about the Enterprise's <sighs> adventures. For sure. And plus all the stuff from, you know, set like three or whatever. Yes, he always has that to fall back on if people get bored of him pretending like he was a main player in the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and then my last characterization note is, Cisco isn't Picard, but also so what? Yep. <laughs> that's not enough. That's not enough that's to not trade anything. on. Yeah. So, like I said, that's a three. If It would have been higher without them driving home that Cisco is not Picard. Yeah. Like, to me, that's negative characterization because... I, I know that, and I don't want him to be. Yeah. So. Not uh, good. Not good. Rough as hell. Before I total him up, uh, I have so many others. I have a lot of quick hitters for this episode. You, yeah, you go first. Which is would be worse to listen to? Okay. Bashir's medical board story? Good God. That's like somebody's... One of, Sorry, go on. Or one of uh, Arnold Rimmer's Risk Diaries. <laughs> I was going to say... What I was going to say is like that's like listening to somebody tell a story about their fantasy football team. Yeah. But but you're right. Arnold Rimmer's risk. That rolled a six and a five. Yes. <laughs> Except it's, that's hilarious because we're, uh, we get it that that's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seriously. Shut the fuck up, Bashir. 
But again, uh, he's cleaning up that Bajoran muff. I was very confused by it. So there's a real bad scene. Yeah. Uh, where uh, first Q gets a little rapey with Vosh. Yeah, he does. Like, he climbs on top of her. Yep. And that's gross. But then Vosh goes right to Umox when Quark walks in. And that's somehow grosser. I'm not, I'm never sure. But don't worry. Here comes Bashir to outgross them both with his pickup attempt on Vosh. Yeah, he is, does not have any scruples. It's like, oh, you're. And no game, also, by the way. You're a patient who just came in to get a scan? Why don't we go out to dinner? Because that's ethical. Yep. So that scene was real bad for me. Yeah. Um, I'm never sure, by the way, how we're supposed to feel about Umox. It's sexual, right? It's a hand job for sure. It, and, and by the way, it may be a blowjob. They like it too, a little too much for it to be a handjob. Yeah, job. handies are nowhere near as satisfying as they make Umox seem. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Sorry to fucking bust your worldview about handjobs. Um, yeah, so he comes in, and then to arrange a better deal, she goes like right to a Ferengi beach. It's almost like well, they want us to know it's sexual, and then they just throw it around all the time right in front of our faces. And now I feel like we're watching sex acts, and you know I don't like that in my Star Trek. Yep, I wish they would keep that out. <sighs> Alright, go on. Uh, Cisco really no-sells Q's punches. <laughs> Dude, he straight up gives him a who gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh... That'd be bad... That'd be bad wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know... When you start doing it like that, Hardcore Holly gets a little bit pissed off and maybe he breaks your leg, you know? Yeah, like, you might get hurt for real if you if you keep doing that. Like, he wasn't selling me! Uh, of course, Odo doesn't understand the human desire for possessions. If he wants a neat Klingon chair, he can just become one. That's true. It makes it real easy to judge. Yeah, doesn't it? When you could become any possession you want. Um, I'd be a PlayStation 4. I've gotten earbuds that I'm wearing mm-hmm. caught on things in my environment twice a week every week for the last ten years. <laughs> How does Vosh wear that earring necklace? Yeah, those were actually very distracting. Like, with all that shit hanging off her ears, and it's going through holes in her ears, she's gonna be she's gonna be back under Bashir's care real soon. I hope she doesn't wear those when she goes caving or whatever. Get those caught on some kind of stalagmite. Uh, stalagmite. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Is there anything less sinister than Q's pronouncement about Vash's auction? <laughs> do you, Do you have the actual words? I mean, I don't. But okay. he's like, there's something much worse going on down in. Down in Quark's bar, and you're like, the auction? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I got a flyer for it. I'm not gonna go, but like, yeah, it's not nice to sell antiquities like that. But I mean, <laughs> why should any why should anyone on that bridge go? Oh yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, no. And then, dog Bashir slept through that whole episode, and I... no one checked up on him. Yeah, and again, the writer's going, the characters we wrote are not interesting. I'm going to make one of them sleep through the whole episode. I just saw an episode of The Next Generation where Data overslept by 17 minutes and woke up and the whole crew was standing around him. Yeah. Yes. When Worf didn't report for duty, he got a formal reprimand from Captain Picard. Yeah, dude, he's like shouting in his face about how we have people from 15 different planets on board this ship and they've all managed to keep their cultural shit in check all that bashir, crap but bashir was out of action for it gotta be at least a day minimum of a day right i guess he doesn't have patience 
No, and uh, but no one, no one, no one looked in on. I think no one broke their arm or whatever, because you know they ain't got no staff. No one ever has any staff in these shows. Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's a pretty bad episode. Not good, man. Um, Picard's love life really not well hidden, because O'Brien, who was barely even around, recognized her on site in a dark runabout, and knew exactly who she was, and told Cisco later. You know, <laughs> she was friends with the captain, if you know what I mean. So apparently, uh, all of Picard's fears about having a relationship with his crew are well-founded. Totally justified. I mean, because shit gets around. It's sensible to think that O'Brien is kind of a ship's gossip. He's always in ten forward. <laughs> yeah, he is drunk bastard. Uh, he tells a lot of stories about the Rutledge during the Phoenix, and yep. so you got to assume. Uh, we got some great Q-style levity, the old-timey boxing match. But you know what I'd prefer is knowing what the hell this episode was even about. Yeah, that was a real swing and a miss. Uh, was this episode filmed out of order? Because in some ways, the characters seem even less evolved than in the last episode. Odo seems like he's unfinished. Odo seems like a work-in-progress Odo. Yeah. Like, his makeup doesn't seem like... Well, it doesn't seem like he's wearing a lot of makeup. And his voice is wrong. And it's like, is this actually like the second episode they filmed or something? Because this is way off. Oh, man. If someone had the idea, let's introduce Q and Vosh even earlier than episode six. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They that knew. was a very bad idea. They knew they had a terrible show on their hands. Terrible. That's all like, I had. That really shows a lack of confidence in the ability to sell this show. Yeah, because the first episode, they already interact with the TNG people. Yeah. Ugh, anyway. I mean, sort of. Picard's there. Yeah. And O'Brien, of course. Yeah. Not great, dude. Really not great. What is the total on this piece of shit? Uh, I give it a nine, and you gave it a ten. <laughs> so... That's a grand total of 19. That is not good. 19 is a very poor score. Uh, last week, the lowest score was 25. Oh, boy. Uh, so 19's bad. 19 is bad. Um, at Like I said, I watched these in order. So I think I said this to you off channel. And at this point, when I'd seen Mud's Women, Lonely Among Us, and Cueless, I was like... Well, you knew it was over. Voyager has got a huge shot. Oh, yeah. Like... Voyager could come in here with a pretty mediocre episode and take the week, uh, which would have been huge because that would put a th- that would give us a three way tie for wins after six weeks. Well, we'll have to find out if that really happened. So let's talk now about Eye of the Needle. Before we jump in with the explanation of this episode, I just want to say, sort of like you were talking about the order you watched them in, I noticed the first few weeks I was watching them in order, and I felt like it was giving Enterprise a tired, angry me, Mm. because some of these episodes are so bad, and by the time you get to the fifth one, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm still watching these. So I've been trying to mix it up, and now I watch, whichever one got the worst score one week, I watch first the next week, kind of give it like or the next time we do it, kind of get, like go into it fresh, just in case that had something to do with it. Um, so that means next week I, I have a feeling I'm going to have to watch that, uh, that garbage. You start with Deep Space be Nine. Start, be starting with uh, Dax. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting angle. I think what keeps that from happening to me to some extent when I watch them in order is that I am so much less familiar with Voyager. True. And completely unfamiliar with Enterprise. Yeah. So there's still some novelty when I watch, particularly Enterprise. Yeah. Um, which I think counteracts that. Now, you could argue that Deep Space Nine 
is getting hurt by that, and it, truthfully, it does not have any wins yet. It's well, but actually, in terms of total score through five weeks, it was only two points behind the original series. Until it shit the bed this week. This is not a good week for it. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna drop seven points on the original series, and TNG was had the had a huge lead. But that's what we thought going into this project. So Matthew Voyager finds a teeny tiny wormhole right. with a Romulan ship on the other side. <laughs> that's Look, fair. they that's hide fair. it for like 10 minutes that there's a Romulan yeah. ship over there, but it doesn't matter that they don't know in the beginning that it's a Romulan ship. Anyway, mm. uh, while the crew works out how to get a message back home to the Alpha Quadrant, Kess goes on a crusade to get basic human rights for the Doctor, sort of. Yeah, like she starts a crusade and then sort of whatever. We'll get into that. Um, I they discover you... that they can transport through the wormhole, but oh no, the Romulans from twenty years in the past. I thought you were done after that first sentence, and I thought <laughs> that's that's why I was saying it was fair. <laughs> and there's a Romulan on the other side. The end. Yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Except that that's ten minutes into the episode. <laughs> uh, all right. This was um, this was another one I had a hard time finding a take for. All right, I, what I came up with: <clears throat> even suspicious rivals can come together uh, over uh, matters of common courtesy. Slash, oh my god, the doctor's a person. Okay. <laughs> Because there's two plots. Um, what's that worth to you? I gave it a five and it feels generous, but I don't know. I gave it a five. I agree that the, the, the five is a little generous for that. However, that is um, that is based so... Eventually, I settled on a take that you may find uh, suspiciously similar to one that we've already discussed in this episode. Oh, boy. I said, compassion is the driving force of intelligent life. Oh, nice. Okay, good. You were able to sort of workshop that other one. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yes. And in this one, the B-plot of the Doctor, which is less entertaining than the B-plot of the Soleil and the Antikins, right. does a better job of tying in. Ah, because of compassion. Kes is is has been compassionate towards the Doctor from the start. Right. Um, and she's trying to trying to make that official ship policy. Let's say. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, however, that's not like a real strong take for me. Yeah. Um, it's a three. I gave it a three. You could argue that three's a little light, but if you went down to a four and I went up to a four, it'd be the same overall score. So who cares? Yeah. It was it, this episode was sort of. I think they wanted you to get the feels you get in the Defector, except they made a bad episode. Yes, it's not the Defector. It's not the Defector, but it's like, oh, they're Romulans. But guess what? You'll meet a Romulan every once in a while who will be willing to help you out because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, because the Romulans are the Russians, right? And this is the hunt for Red October. I mean, not this episode, but the relationship between the Federations and the and the and the Romulans is the hunt for Red October, right? Um, and there are some good ones, right? Anyway, uh, it's not fair to compare it to the Defector. The Defector is one of the twenty-five good episodes of the Next Generation. Yes, 
one of the 25 that at least don't get lumped into the conversation of worst episode. Of the bottom 150. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Of the 150 worst episodes. Right. Um, so we, we roughly agree with what the premise of the episode is. Uh, and... Execution. Uh, ben thinks oh. that there's a little... There's an extra element here that we didn't get, which is that there's something about breaching barriers to make these connections uh yeah i can well there was definitely uh a literal barrier there's there's a literal physical barrier that wormhole uh and then then maybe i guess the doctor is more technological barriers right oh yeah okay yeah if you wanted to work that in that would work yeah, yeah so that's the little extra aspect that he found but by the way he also gave it a three so <laughs> even he went nope <laughs> Who cares? Uh, so it's just not—it's just not much of a take. No, but really. given that, how do you feel they executed? I gave him a five. Um, the problem is any drama surrounding the promise of this wormhole is automatically ruined by the fact that this is season one, episode six. And yep. guess what? They're not going to figure out how to get home. And uh, who cares if they can send a message to the Alpha Quadrant? Like, what is that? Who cares? Like, yeah, it gives them some comfort. Like, that's the stakes in this episode. Yeah, it doesn't give me anything. Uh, but it was nice and Roddenberry style, hopeful. You know, they met a nice Romulan. So, you know, I got five. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Um, eh, again, I was feeling a little less generous. Maybe I was a little burned out. <laughs> yeah, you might have been burned um, out. So I give it a four. I mean, the Romulan is ultimately swayed by the compassion. But by the way, ultimately, I mean instantaneously. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you're, so you, you could be lying. Oh, they're probably not lying. You've been alone. You haven't seen your family. All right, then. It's true. I have kids. I'm on a spy mission, but okay. You got me. Um, Janeway shows compassion for the doctor mm-hmm. a little bit. But here is the part where I think if they were driving on compassion, they missed an opportunity because she says that she gets complaints about his bedside manner. Yeah. Her challenge to him when she's talking to him is not to improve his bedside manner and be compassionate for his patients, which would have been more in sync. Yeah. But it's just to, like, hey, stretch yourself and grow and take on some new responsibilities because you're the only doctor we've got. Right. So if that had been, if she'd brought up his bedside manner there, I probably would have given it a higher score. Yeah, like hey, but that was a uh, that's a real missed opportunity. So for me, that's a four. Yeah, like hey, there's some give and take here. Like we're gonna do what we can to make it easier on you, and you got to get your shit together too. Yeah, dog. Yeah, that would have been better. Um, I did not have much for world building. <sighs> well, okay, here's what I got. Uh, you get just the tiniest slight slice uh, of life of a science vessel captain of the Romulan Empire. That's it. <laughs> What's that worth to you? <laughs> One. One. Uh, I found a couple of more things okay. than that. Um, I guess Romulan ships run on the same time as Federation ships. It's true. They don't have any confusion trying to... Like, once they figure out they're out of sync, they're like... Well, and and not only that, but like also... He says goodnight to Captain Janeway, and he has no way of knowing that she's calling from her cabin in her nightgown. Oh, see, I thought maybe he... he see, I thought when I watched that that he had somehow um, figured that out from the from their conversation like he'd got the feeling that she was fresh out of bed or something like that that's in there as a, a quick hitter for ben is how does he know it's nighttime for okay. her all right uh, see i so, thought they did it so obviously that he must have just inferred that from something yeah. but um so subspace messages yeah 
and hailing frequencies. Right. They must carry information about where in space the ship is because they talk a lot about from your hailing frequency, we could tell you're in the gamma quadrant. From your hailing frequency, we could tell you're in the alpha quadrant. That's true. But apparently, they don't they don't carry any information about when the message was sent. Which you think would be would come up much more often. Like, yeah. Because most or, messages are going to be sent from the alpha quadrant to the alpha quadrant. Or the like that. twist ending that this Romulan is calling from 20 years in the past, like, would have been obvious right away. Yeah. Like, there's the, that's not one of the headers on the message. Okay, so you got uh, some uh, some details into how hailing works. A little bit. Okay. Um, wormholes decrease in size as they age. Oh, did they say that as a as a fact? Yeah, okay. that's how they can tell how old that wormhole is. That it must have been know. shrinking for years and years. Uh, so that's a little bit interesting. That uh, I, I I classify that as good to know and does not give it any points. <laughs> uh, but there's one. There's one world-building con in here for me, which is that although everything we've seen about wormholes so far suggests that they're super, super unstable, and there's only one stable wormhole known to exist, mm -hmm. everyone assumes that this wormhole is just going to be there as long as they need it to be. I know. And the time limit that is imposed on this episode, the artificial time limit, mm -hmm. is not, hey, we don't know when this wormhole will collapse. It's, oh, hey, that probe's going to run out of juice. Yeah, they don't have any more probes? That yeah. was it, huh? Just the one. Like, uh, hey, there was a reason why you could have put it. There's a super re easy reason to put a time limit on there. Yeah. Wormholes don't stick around. Yep, that would have been better, too. Yep, so anyway, that's a three. All right. Well, we're not scoring this one very well, either. Uh, no. Characterization. Uh, I mean, it's probably fair to reveal that this was my loser for the week at this point. Uh... The Doctor's treated badly. Oh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, Culus was my loser this week. The doctor's Characterization, yeah. Doctor's treated badly. That's a recurring theme. Balana still calls Kim Starfleet, almost as if this is a foreign language and she doesn't understand any of the words, which is obviously not the case. Harry Kim likes butting into people's personal business. <laughs> like a lot. Just straight up ask some questions to their face, like, Don't you have anybody for you at home? Waiting for you? Doesn't anybody love you? <laughs> It's like, uh, what's what? Okay, so he's clearly got Asperger's or something. Uh, I guess I appreciate that they make that they continue to make Janeway fallible, and that she is realizing things in these episodes, and that she's not Picard, who sort of has like a grandfatherly wisdom about him. That is true. In this, particularly, she is really out of touch with the doctor stuff with Kess. And yeah. when Kess comes in there, she thinks there might be a problem with her and Neelix. Yeah. So she at least feels out of touch with the crew. Yes. And I like that. I do like what they're doing with Janeway in that sense. She has no other characteristic other than sometimes she fucks up, which makes I, it By the way, it still makes her the most developed character so far in Void. That's exactly correct. Still not great, because that's the only thing about her. But yes, she is instantly the one that you go, oh, they're putting some work in there. Because yeah. she's she goes. What are you talking about? He's like a tool. He's just like a he's a hologram. Yeah, we got them all over the place. Go to fucking Sandrine's or whatever. There's fifty of them. But then during the conversation, she's like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's true. We don't necessarily have to treat him shitty just because of that, do we?" Yeah, I guess that's true. And she hates. Uh, and she hates. There is actually there actually is an opportunity for us to do better there. Yeah, and she hates the doctor. It's clear she hates the doctor. No, she's not into him at all. Hates his guts. But when, even uh, she goes, when he was oh, on okay. the bridge last week. Telling them how to suture the cloud. <laughs> yep. 
uh, she just straight up muted him. I know. Everyone hates that guy. He is like Quark. Just the characters just outwardly despise him. Yeah. Um, and I give a big nope to Kes kissing the doctor. I said, nope. Don't yeah. like it. Um, all in all, I gave characterization a four in this episode. Yeah. Because um, I hate a them. three. Go ahead. No, just because I hate them. That's it. That was a three for me. There was not a lot that was really new here. I guess the fact that the Doctor would like to have a name is new. And they left, that was like a fucking cliffhanger. That's like a, oh, you'll find out what happens with this. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be delivered on. I definitely remember another name they call him besides the Doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kess is a huge campaigner for his treatment as a person. But when it seems like they're going to have to leave him behind, yeah. like in the one minute that they think they're going to be able to go through the wormhole, and he's like, oh, I can't be, uh, I can't be downloaded right now. She's just like, well, thanks for everything. Yeah, it seems like... Like, she... that's an opportunity for her to fight for him that she just, her character just does not take. So that's not great. It seems like more than her being some kind of idealist, it's more like they make her simple. And sometimes that expresses itself as wonder over why things are happening, which comes off oh, as idealism. Wonderful the mind of a child is. Yes, she, like that. She knew they deleted Camino from the archives. That's exactly correct. <laughs> I see. You may be right. Maybe that's what it is. Is She's not actually compassionate. She's just a dumb-dumb. She just doesn't understand what's happening. Holograms are new for her. And her questions make people wonder about things. That's what I think. Yeah. I guess that's one way to read it. <clears throat> Anything else on characterization? Uh, no, that was really it for me. Yeah, there's not much there. I have a few quick hitters. Okay. Uh, right up at the beginning, <sighs> Janeway maybe hmm. says there's a one in four chance that the wormhole will lead to the Alpha Quadrant. I have no idea where she gets that. Like every point in the galaxy is equally likely. She has only done the most basic math on that. Well, like, that's that's the kind of non-math that people do yep. when there are two possible outcomes and a guy goes, 50-50 chance. It's always like, 50-50. There's... <laughs> like, no, Doug. Sometimes if one thing is more likely than another. What was it? Uh, was it was it the Large Hadron Collider or something where somebody was talking about the end of the world or whatever and then somebody asked... Someone someone high up was asked what the chances were, and they said that everything was 50-50. Right. And it was yeah. like, okay, cool. So you have a very clear understanding of well, how look, probability Matt, works. Anything you can think of will either happen or it won't that's happen. That's right. That's exactly right. So it's all 50-50. That's what his point was. And it was like, oh, that's super unhelpful. Um, This lieutenant in sickbay. You know, the new one that we'd never seen before, a brand new lieutenant who would outrank most of the characters that we've seen so far, but yet we've never seen him. Right. Never heard about the Doctor? No, apparently not. The Doctor, this is all new to him? No, he never had to come in for his physical or anything like that. Did Janeway not even bother to, like, make an announcement? Like, oh, by the way, we got an emergency medical hologram running the show now. And he's the Doctor. I think she's been telling everyone that the real Doctor's on PTO with Chief Engineer Argyle. Oh man, maybe. So they don't freak out. Um Does Janeway, and by this I mean does Kate Mulgrew yep. read her lines phonetically or like Ron Burgundy style or something? <laughs> because there's a pretty early scene 
where she says, you have the bridge, Commander. But in the exact same tone and at the end of a conversation she's having to Harry Kim. Like, she never looks at Chakotay or signals in any way that now she's talking to Chakotay. I think you're right. It's just like, she just jams that line into the end of her other lines. Look, to Kate Mulgrew, uh, Harry Kim may as well be a commander. What does she care? I guess. <laughs> she's like, whatever. This one, we're like, talking about him, right? She seems to be a pretty decent actress. People like her in Orange is the New Black. Right. But, uh... That line, she did not care about what what it might mean to say those things at that time. Right. And um, finally, how long do Romulans live? Like, it's supposed to be a super long time, right? Yeah, I think it's... But this 40-year-old Romulan, when they say, oh, it'll be oh, we're from 20 years in the past, he's like, I'll... I'll be an old man. I might not even be alive. And it's like, no, Doc, you probably live to be like 200, right? Yeah, the Romans live a long time. I think we've heard this other like, places. Pardek knew Spock since the Kittimer Accords. Oh, dog, you're right. Yeah, that's where we heard it. Yeah, like... And, like, and Pardek still looked younger than Spock. Yes. So, do they not? No one, it's just... Yeah, inconsistencies. It's just bad. That's a bad, like... He definitely should have assumed he would still be alive in 20 years. That guy looked up like he was about 40. Yep, I which agree. I'm sure means he was 90 Romulan years old or something. <laughs> yep, but still. But still, he he should have expected to live to be 110 or whatever. I agree. Not great. But the way, by the way, he did not. Nope, so he died. I guess he was right. Maybe he knows he has a condition or something, and no one on that ship cares or thinks, wait, no, Romulans live a while, though. Yeah, he has a Bandai Syndrome or whatever. Yep. Uh... That was, like, the most hopeful intro to an episode ever, which, again, made me immediately go, It's episode six! Oh, there was one and exactly one thing that I liked about this episode. Oh, go on. Which is that, oh, listen, man, we found this wormhole, and there's no way we can get our ship through it. And the and the episode, was they did not spend one minute trying to make the wormhole bigger. <laughs> That's right, yeah, that is good. Like they, they didn't waste any time on a dumb technical solution to a limitation, which we would have to fail anyway. Right. Right, like... Because, like you said, this is season one, episode six. Yeah. So that couldn't possibly work, and they didn't waste any of our time with it. They're just like, well, what can we do with this wormhole? Right. Uh, why is Janeway unable to tell the Romulans where she is in the Delta Quadrant? They haven't, like, compared star charts and stuff to verify their position? I feel like the ship automatically does that every time they go anywhere in space, even when yeah, they like, show up in another galaxy. She could send them some galactic coordinates. There yeah. must be a way to describe where they are, even if they don't have names for any of the planets. There. That's what I'm saying. Like, even when they show up in, like, other galaxies, the ship instantly knows exactly where they are. So, yep. like, I thought, I thought that was pretty dumb. The guy's like, where are you? She's like, uh, I can't really tell you where. It's like, no, you just you just send the coordinates. They'll mean something or they won't to him, but you're that's where you are. Um, she also lets it slip that he's on a science vessel really easily. Yep. When they have talked internally about how um, he has said that he's a cargo captain, but he is not. He is a, he's on a science vessel, and he's probably a spy. And she just says to him, like, Ah, you're on a science vessel, right? I know what science vessels are like. It's like, why is she so, like, uncouth? Yeah, that's a good point. That's not very diplomatic. Yeah. Um, like, even if it was attempting to show them that she knows something about him that he doesn't want her to, Yeah. A, what would the point of that be in that situation? And B, is that how you would do it? That's right, exactly. And, um, Janeway and company seem to take for granted that beaming onto a Romulan ship is the answer to their prayers. 
Oh yeah. Like they are definitely they're definitely cool with being interrogated by the tall Shiar. Well, this is Which is 100% what would happen. So guess what? This is what 20 20 years ago, 23 years ago, what do they say it is? Oh, that ship 20 years ago. So this is like almost exactly in the era of the Enterprise C being taken and those people just being taken back to Romulus. Oh yeah. Enterprise, you know what I mean? Like they'll just they're not going to necessarily return you to Starfleet. They just might take you away and then you're prisoners in a Romulan camp for the rest of your life. Oh, well, at least you're in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, great. You you solved one problem. <laughs> now you're never going to get out of Romulan prison. So, to I, be fair, no one really agitates for it once they figure out he's in the past, so Oh, sure. Except they are probably hoping for And now see here's where I don't remember how Deep Space 9 and Voyager mesh together. Mm. Do the Federation and the Romulans have a little bit of better relationship by this point? Because I know they work together against the Dominion, but I don't know when. Not by this point. This is only season one of Voyager, which makes it, what, season three of Deep Space Nine? So there's no relationship with the Romulans. Yeah, so really, and really, Picard has not done much work to improve the relationship with the Romulans. No, I'm not sure he ever gets around to it, really. No. (laughs) We sort of stopped meeting them after a while. (laughs) Yeah, they stopped being interesting. They started introducing goddamn Cardassians and shit. Exactly. Um, Yeah, so I just thought that was weird. And like, Harry Kim, even in the end, even when he knows it's the past, he's like, well, we can still go back. It's like... They're like, you'd be two. This is a dumb problem. Yeah, but I'll I'll also be there as an adult, so who cares? Yeah, I don't care what age I will be, because I will be my age. I'm not going to turn into a two-year-old if I go through the wormhole. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, I just thought it was... That's pretty dumb. Um, That's it. That's all I got. So you gave it 15 total points. Check that out. That's like a big score for me this week. Which is one less than you gave Lonely Among Us. All right. Um, But this is the one. This is one with less uh, difference between our scores because I gave it 13. Oh, look at that. Which gives it 28 and puts it in the lead. That's a big win. Big win. Good job, Voyager. Again, I remind you the worst episode last week, which was also Voyager, scored 25 points. So, well, we got Consistent one more. Voyager week to week. This one's just slightly better than last week's, and that's enough for the lead right now. One more to go, yeah. I will say this, Voyager has not been as completely terrible as I thought it would be. No. Um, it's just consistently not great. <laughs> no, if it, and if it beats Enterprise this week, it will... It will be tied for the lead after six episodes. Yep. So with that said, let's move on to the Andorian incident. Think about it. Seriously, think about it. All right. <laughs> I wasn't going to play this, but <laughs> it's fine. It's not remembering how I queued it up. What an intro. Alright, Enterprise crew beam down to a Vulcan monastery, only to find that they are not the only unexpected guests. A band of Andorians have occupied the monastery under suspicions that it's being used to spy on Andorian space. The crew's also taken hostage and must work with the Vulcans to defeat their captors. But are the Vulcans truly innocent? No, they're not. No, that's... The Oths, dude. Welcome to the Oths. That's where we are. Yep, that's exactly where we are. Okay. What do you think? This is not a story about uh, paranoia. Nope. (laughs) uh, Or suspicion. The terrorists 
for that is what they are, are 100% right. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Enterprise. It's dark now. Even the Vulcans are bad guys. Everyone's bad. Um. So in a week of very thin takes, yeah. this is the one I had the hardest time with. All right. I got kind of a long rambling one. You go first. Eventually, my take is that uh, there, there is a middle way between violence and complete passive indifference. Okay. In resolving conflicts. Wow. Can you okay? Why don't you explain why how you came to that? Because the Vulcans' entire plan is to do nothing. Sure. Their plan is no plan. Like, it's not just that they are eschewing violence. They don't want to do anything. Right. They're going to sit in that room until the Andorians leave. Yeah, I think that's true. I think they even say, oh, they'll leave eventually. They'll they'll get bored and leave. Or they would have if you hadn't shown up. Idiot humans. Like, it's not passive resistance. It's not... It's not anything. Yeah. Their plan is nothing. Uh, an archer wants to do something. Right. But it's not exactly the thing that the Vulcans fear he's going to do. Sure. And in the end, he does sort of reach a nonviolent solution with them. Yeah. Now, so. Do you think this is what the episode is about? What is it about? Well, I'm just, I, I you know, because... No, like I said, this is the one I had the hardest time with. I think, that, I think all that's true. I'm just not sure that's what the episode's about. Because I feel like, given the reveal at the end... What I had was, humans must learn for themselves what the galaxy holds. And what I mean by that is, Ooh. the only alien species they've had consistent contact with is the Vulcans. And so everything yes. they've learned about the galaxy and how it works and who the Vulcans are in particular... And Vulcan's place in the galaxy, they've heard from the Vulcans. And even though they don't really like them because of the way they feel they've been treated by them, they've had no reason to think that they're necessarily wrong about what they're hearing about the galaxy or that the Vulcans aren't the peace-loving, logical people that they say they are. Early in this episode, they talk about how they come across some planet that's not on the Vulcan star charts. And they're like, see, Vulcans aren't so great. Like, they don't even have this planet on their star charts. And then later, and then at the end of the episode, obviously the big reveal is, guess what? The Vulcans are spying on the Andorians just like the Andorians thought they were the whole time, which the Vulcans claimed were impo- was impossible and T'Pol claimed was impossible. So they're learning that by going out into space, what that really means is figuring out their own truths about what's out there, and that the Vulcans, just like everybody, have been painting it in a way that depicts them the best and that serves their own interests. Right? Kind of like the Vorlons in Babylon 5, but Babylon 5's better. So, if that is what the episode is about. Right. Why do they spend so much time in the monastery? Oh, uh, this is not a good show. Okay. <laughs> it's not a good show, and they've they've clearly said 
out loud in their writer's room over and over to each other, this show's about action. And so they have to have him getting interrogated over and over again, and they have to have fist fights and shoot 'em ups and artifacts breaking and all that shit. Because they're like, this, every episode, man, just action. Wall-to-wall action. So, you are correct that your interpretation is supported by the teaser. Right. Um, but is it about not accepting the Vulcan's view of space, or is it specifically that the Vulcans are not trustworthy? Which, by the way, is Ben's take. Um... I think it's. He says, I, I think, well, he says the Vulcans aren't everything they seem. Not high sci-fi, but this issue has been building all series, and they finally get to it. Again, I think this was more interesting when B five did it, but I think it's. I, I still think my take is, is the one I want to stick with, which is that humans must learn for themselves what the galaxy holds, and that includes everything they've learned, everything they've heard from the Vulcans. Now has to be in question because they're learning their own, what's really the truth out there. So the Vulcans are not necessarily trustworthy, but that's just part of it. The humans have to learn all the whole story all over again. So if that were true, hmm. if that were what the episode was about, then they have missed an opportunity here. But would not be surprised. By not having the humans, not having the Enterprise crew first believe the Andorians... And then have to reject their truth as incomplete also. Well, I can't, I can't believe them both. I think they believe the Vulcans. No, they should switch from one to the other and then, and then reject conf- both. Uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, that yeah. is the best... That's probably the best device... Yes, that's... Yes. ...to reach that conclusion. Yeah, that would be the best logical telling of the story. Yeah. Instead, what it was was, ah, the Vulcans couldn't be spying, that's weird. Well, let me ask you, what's that take worth to you? I gave it a six because I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting take. Again, I thought it was much more interesting when Babylon 5. <clears throat> I think that that is a a reasonable take. I think in some of the earlier Enterprise episodes, we have uh, also talked about how one possible interpretation of these may be Asking whether humanity is capable of this or ready for this. Right. So if the take was that humanity has to... Has to develop its own understanding of space, that would be sort of a step further. Like... Yeah. Okay, we... Maybe we... We do belong here, and we're going to have to move beyond our mentors. Yeah, and it's actually, in a way, it's necessary that we be here. Yeah. So anyway, well, that's what I your get. take is more is has definitely got more support than mine. And you're, I do believe that what you said is true about the episode. Which, in a sense, rejection of the way the Vulcans plan to handle this scenario also supports your interpretation. Right. That's right. And that's what that's the problem they've been having with the Vulcans the whole time. Is not wanting to do things the way the Vulcans do them. And that's probably what we're supposed to believe is the reason the Vulcans don't want humans in space, is that they're not going to play along with this thing the Vulcans are creating. Mm. 
Maybe. I don't know. I am prepared to accept your take. <laughs> well, the good news think, is you don't have to. You can still give it whatever you want. I think you your want. take is better, and now I'm trying to decide how much I think that take is worth. Right. It's a logical progression from some of the other stances that have happened. Right. Uh, leading up to it. Um, and I'm always open to saying that I have, and it's almost the whole point of this project, is to put in more work than the hacks who wrote it did. <laughs> There's a little bit of a, uh, there's something like relativism inherent in a take like that, mm -hmm. in the sense that, well, you just have to figure it out on your own. Like there's, well, just that the Vulcans do what everyone does, and that's paint themselves in the best possible light, and you might get out yeah. there and find that it's, that's maybe the way they even see it. They might not be lying; they might just really see it that way, but that maybe they're not as. Uh, removed and 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 logical and and above everything as they like to believe they are or whatever. But asserting that humans must find their own way hmm. is is a watered down version of saying don't learn from the experience that's presented to you. Like unless it happened to you, it doesn't count or. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, just a little bit of like people who have that mindset. There's a little bit of an anti-intellectualism to it. I I would say, if you're gonna take that, that maybe don't rely on it. You can't rely on somebody else's experience. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like maybe you can, um, you can use it as a guide. Or you can, you can you can take value from it, but that ultimately, you know, you gotta you're gonna have to figure it out for yourself. Okay, I'm gonna give it a five. Right. Um, and why don't you tell me how you think it executed on that take? Since that's not how I yeah. thought about my execution. So I gave some of the supporting evidence and stuff, and I think that if they were making if they were trying to do that, then they did an okay job. I gave it a six on execution. <clears throat> so Archer's got like a sort of an especially bad feeling about the Vulcans because uh, they, held, they held my daddy back or whatever. Right. And a lot of humans feel like the Vulcans are always looking over their shoulders. <clears throat> well, at least he and Trip do. And they're sort of the only humans we get to hear from. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard much from the rest of the crew. Yeah, those other characters are real secondary characters. There's only three main characters in this show, it seems. It's just Archer, T'Pol, and Trip. Well, they're going for Kirk, uh, McCoy, and Spock. Right. Uh, I mean, it would have been interesting if Archer had used, like, the emotional anti-Vulcan Andorians to prove his suspicions about Vulcans being less than unlevel, but instead he kind of accidentally opens the door and sees the transmitter. Yep. It's not like he was swayed by the Andorians, or... Uh, by the way, it's also entirely unclear to me whether any of the other monks besides that young monk know what's happening there. Yes, hard to say how many of them are in on it. Yeah. But that gives it a lot less meaning, especially from this perspective that he just kind of stumbles upon it by accident because it's not yep. like he went i don't know about this and tried to figure it out still uh the vulcan mystique is gradually being eroded humans are learning their own truths about the galaxy which they allude to at the beginning of the episode blah 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 i gave it a six okay all right um Thinking about that, 
well, I've already talked about what a better execution on that, how a better execution on that premise might look. Right. So I'm not going to give it like huge marks for that. I'm going to say five again, I think. Yeah. And then let's, um, let's move on to world building. And I did not find a lot. Okay. So humans smell bad to Vulcans. I had that as well. Never hadn't heard that one before. Uh, we meet the Andorians, who are apparently dumb jocks. Yep. <laughs> they do call humans pink skin the whole time. Seems racist to me. Yep, that's some racist nonsense. And then, uh... Colinar, I guess. Like, it it comes up a little bit in Star Trek 1 and the very beginning of 4. Right. But really... There's not much there. Um, so there's a little bit of Vulcan philosophy that's that's in here. And as important as Vulcans are in Star Trek, really very little time is devoted to it okay. in the run of all the series. So there's something there. But that's not much. That's a three for me. How much have we learned about the Andorians? Like, I, I, I don't know if it's because I don't really remember much about the original series, but I don't feel like we've heard much about the Andorians in TNG or DS9 or anything like that. Uh, yeah, they don't, as far as I know, they don't even put it in appearance in the next generation. Yeah. I think, like, I think Lol... the Bolians show up and then, and, and then uh, the Benzites and they're like, well, we got enough blue skin dudes. <laughs> yeah, I think Lol, one of Lol her could be an Andorian male. Yeah, exactly. Female? Male. I think male, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but from the original series, we know that they're a founding member of the Federation. Right. Oh, that's that almost feels like a spoiler alert in this show. Yeah, it is, but what can you do? Yeah. It hasn't come up yet in the episodes we've watched. So and I think they probably only show up in a couple. I've got Vulcans think humans smell bad. Never heard that one. Honestly, I don't have an issue with that sort of world building. It's small enough not to ruin everything else that's come before it, but also kind of explains why the Vulcans always seem annoyed. <laughs> I actually prefer to think that the Vulcans seem annoyed because they look down on emotional behavior. Mm, so that's... Rather than... Oh, by the way, also you sting. That's the conventional way, then. I think yeah. that's what we've always been led to believe about the Vulcans. But I kind of like also having them go. But it's humans it's smell, fine. Man. Like if humans smelled bad to Vulcans, yeah, what you wouldn't the Vulcans would the Vulcans that we know from the other series would have kept their mouths shut about it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, hella racist Andorians call humans pink skin the whole time. And also, yeah. spoiler alert: they still call Mayweather pink skin, and I get confused. I get confused about it. Like later We're, on. Oh, I was going to say, wait, did they interact it's with It's a spoiler alert all? because that's in a later episode. Um, mm. They're, like, real angry and strong. I don't know. But I feel like I knew absolutely nothing about them before this. Yeah, no, this is this is everything that we know about the Andorians is here. So like, because of my knowing nothing about the Andorians and getting a whole episode with them and the little bit that we learned about the Vulcans, I gave it a six again. I don't know if that's mm. generous. I don't know. That's this is your winner for the week, then. Yeah, this is the one that I had as winning, though. This is going to be the winner for the week. Though you'll see, it's already scored enough points to be the winner. <laughs> you'll see in characterization that I don't pad the score. Okay. <laughs> well, let's um, let's talk about characterization. A okay. uh, couple of things. Couple of things. Um, Archer seems to value honesty above politics. Yep. In the sense that the poli- the politically expedient thing to do when they discovered the Vulcan spy station under there, would have been to ice those Andorians. <laughs> Probably. And just been like, look, these guys are all over Earth. We have one starship. Yes, you're right. Yeah, 
if we like, piss off these Vulcans, things could go real bad for us. We can't, like, diplomatically, what can we do? We're stuck with these guys, and, like, definitely the best move would just be to just glass those three Andorians. Everything we've and, come to learn about real-life politics yeah. would definitely lead you to believe that that's what would happen. At the very least, a consultation with Starfleet. Um, to Paul's loyalty seems to be to the crew. It certainly isn't to Vulcan intelligence, but, like, does she have no other sworn allegiances? Yeah, it's like she's been put there on detached duty, and but she does seem like it's it's like the most important thing to her. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we see a little bit of Trip and Archer working together wordlessly, Ugh. which suggests that they have kind of a backstory, or a, they have some experience together. That it's not really investigated, but it's kind of hinted at, and since I generally like show, don't tell, that's something to me. So, uh, all in all, I gave it a four for characterization. Okay. I've got, um, maybe T'Pol always has that bitchy look on her face, because um, the other two actual crew members on this show are always talking shit about her or her people when she walks in. Yep. 100% of the time when she walks into a room, they're saying bad shit about her or her people. She's never walked in there and they're like, I really like Plomik Soup. Plomik Soup is pretty bomb, you gotta admit. Like, I had some the other day. Chef did a great job. I'm into it. I'm into that Plomik Soup. She's also able to sense when other Vulcans are PO'd, which the humans cannot. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's it. That's good to know that that they are better at reading those kinds of things. Uh, Archer is just like, hey, should we go visit them? Oh, they don't like that? Can we do it anyway? Let's do it anyway. Yeah. The Vulcans at the monastery. What an asshole. No, that's a real dick move. Like, I guess that's how he was invited to Admiral Forrest's birthday party last year. Yeah, but it's like you couldn't... (laughs) You couldn't come up with a better way to get them on that (laughs) planet? Exactly right. Writers of this episode? (laughs) He's just straight up like, well, let's just go visit him, because, you know, I've never seen one of those before. You just have to make him shitty? And she's like... Just make him being shitty to (laughs) to Paul right at the beginning? She's like, they don't really like visitors. Like, they're they're busy. Like, just let's leave them alone. And he's like, no, I'd really rather go, though. We should probably go. It's like, okay. Uh, Yeah, and I've also had Archer and Trip are such good buddies that they can play a little game of if we were to go by the book, as Savick suggests. Yes. That's a working title for that game. Um, (laughs) So that's what I had, and I hated it, and I gave it a one. Oh no! I hated. I hated all of them. <laughs> I think if you look at my characterization scores on Enterprise, they must be consistently under three. Because they, um, I hate these fuckers. You gave it a five for Strange what? New World. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, there you go. <coughs> Which one is Strange New World? I've already forgotten. Um, the one where they camp outdoor, the camp outside. Is uh, that that no, one? No, that's because that's the. That's the one with the uh, leg broken, the overside. Right, Wait. that's the one where they go camping? No, the one where they go camping oh, is no, no. the one where they... Um, they get the spores. They get, they the get spores. all spores. Yeah. Uh, you... I just, I feel like I'm always going, uh, so I got a lot of stuff on characterization and I hated it all. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, how do I change which note I'm looking at? I've got, I've got this thing all like mashed over in the corner so I can watch the episode and take notes. I hear your cat going crazy. Yeah, he's losing his mind. Uh, side list. That'll do. Uh, yep, yeah, that's camping. 
hallucinogen and the uh, air turns their ghost stories into something more sinister. I guess I was particularly impressed and gave them a five. That one you gave a five. Yeah, okay. Um, quick hitters. Uh, oh, look, it's the guy who plays Wayun and Brunt and like 50 other characters in Star Trek. Let's see one of the old Andorians. He's like the main Andorian. Good thing he wormed his way into this one, too. Awesome for him. Uh, again, spoiler alert. The, I'm, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to give the spoiler. Um... Yeah, okay, so time for Archer and Tucker to show off their awesome coded messaging and mess shit up. Humans suck. And then they have that Andorian go, I'll enjoy having you oh, as yeah, a super prisoner. Rapey. It's like, whoa, way too adult for me. Not yeah. into it. Um, also, nice... Not that, um, not that the other Star Trek properties we've been talking about have had real sophisticated treatment of women. Yeah. I guess so far Deep Space Nine has been nope, she goes right to Umox to get her way. Yeah, that's right. Uh but way to step all the way back to Mud's women with that uh <laughs> rapey rapey Andorian. I do love this world of Star Trek where every alien is a walking stereotype. Yep. All the Andorians are all exactly alike, all the Vulcans are all exactly alike. Star Wars does it harder, but Star Trek still does it pretty good. Yes. Um when the Vulcans accuse the humans of messing their day up. Trip goes, no good deed goes unpunished. And I just sat there going, wait, which good deed? What good deed do you think you've done? Inviting yourself to dinner? Like, I'm super confused. What was the good deed? Uh, so, if I'm acting Captain Reed, his name's Reed, right? The British guy? Yeah. And Ensign Mayweather goes, sir, you're wearing a hole in the deck plate. I go, hey, fuck you. I'm going to wear a hole in your balls. Well, I guess that explains why you're not the captain. Like, who's in charge? <laughs> like, got some ensign fucking mouthing off to you? Couldn't believe that. That was some real fucking sassy ensign shit. And, um... Let's see, uh... I don't know about you, but I've learned really a lot since I got here, was one of the lines that somebody said yep. in that episode. <laughs> I thought that was the same guy who wrote that dialogue that Data spits up in Code of Honor. I don't know. I don't know what dialogue you're talking about. Other comments? <laughs> if I may, sir? One of the things about them in the briefing studies was their <laughs> respect for patience. Strongly <laughs> But he just said, I don't know about you, but I've learned really a lot since I got here. I think Trip says it. And I went, yeah. Wow, okay. I don't know what's happening. That was like that McCoy line from earlier. So that's what I had for quick hitters. Yep. Um, yeah, I just had rape threats. Like, I'm just sick of it. Yeah, it's pretty aggravating. So it's just, it's just sick of it. Marjan um, and I watched the, we watched, now we've watched like two or three seasons of that, uh, time travel, uh, uh, fuck book show. Oh yeah. Made by Ron Moore. Um, the entire plot of every episode in the first season was, will she get raped? And that's sort of what this reminds me of. So Ron Moore's kind of got a one-track mind. Yep, he loves the rapings. So how'd this one do? Uh, so... Oh, do you want to do quick... Or do you have any more quick... No, I didn't have any. I just had rape threats. Okay. Like, yeah. that's yeah. all I got. Uh, okay, so I gave it 17. Okay. Which ties with my score for Mud's Women. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked me way up from... Oh, uh... Well, no, I guess it was originally going to be 16. You talked me up one point. Nice. Killed it. Um, you gave it 19, hey. which is your high score for the week. Killed it. Uh, 
So together that adds up to 36, which puts it eight points above that Voyager episode. Um, Easy win. Gets Enterprise its first win. With room to spare. Um, And Enterprise gets a win before Deep Space Nine. Like, I'm kind of not surprised. It's been real. DS9's been brutal. Yeah, DS9's been tough. A tough slog. Yeah. Like, I remember watching it growing up, and I didn't hate it like this. (laughs) It's really, it's really, this first season's not good at all. It's just not, it's not been good. Um, and for, uh, for basically the first time, we have a three-way, uh, uncontested champion. Got my top score, got your top score, got Ben's top score. Wow, even Ben rated it better. Ben gave it a 22. So Mm -hmm. consistently he rates them higher than we do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because you gave it a 19, I gave it a 17. And consistently, you rate them slightly higher than I do also. Hmm. So, I'm the toughest critic. I don't know what I expect. <laughs> that's right. I, wa- I just want them to be good, and they're not going to be good. I think that's, yeah, I think that's where we all kind of are, but you're a little more so. We all want them to be good, and they are not. Uh, so, uh, but that's also what he gave uh, Mud's Women, by the way. So, like like me, he and I tied on this episode and Mud's Women. Yeah, you saw what I gave but, Mud's Women. But you had you had this one in the clear, and you really took a dump on Mud's Women. Yeah. So again, um, to be fair, I enjoyed Mud's Women more than any of the other episodes. Oh yeah, I by far my favorite. The as, one, and if I was going to rewatch one, it would for sure be that one. Yeah, as a piece of art, I thought it was just the worst kind of garbage. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it's just it's pretty bad in that even the it's not even trying to do anything. Nope. But it's sort of sanctimonious as if it were. Its ambitions are so low and yet still unrecognized. Unrealized. Um, in week three, hmm. uh, where no man has gone before, one in a split decision from mm-hmm. us. It was your top score, but my second score of the week. Right. Uh, and Ben also had it tied with uh, Code of Honor. An episode which only he liked. Uh, so his 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 tie score tied with our joint score, but this is the first time that all three of us have come in for an episode, and it's the Andorian incident. Dude, we've been talking about it since we started watching these the last week or the week before, whenever. Just offline, talking to each other about what a bad week this was. This is a bad yeah. week. Yeah. So uh, we won't try to do better, but maybe the Star Trek writers will try to do better in the past when they wrote them. As we move forward. I sure hope so. <laughs> Incidentally, this is not the lowest score that a winner has had. Yeah. That honor goes to where no man has gone before from week three, which scored only 35 points. Oh, wow. That was a real bad week, um, too, then. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a bad week, except it was a close week. Yeah. So, like, the lowest score that week was 23. Oh. Right. Wow. Okay. Whereas Qless came in at 19 this week. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully, when we reconvene on this project, we'll have... We'll have something good to say about at least one of these episodes. Alright, what do we got next? But it looks like another kind of rough week. So, for the original series, in week 7, we have What Are Little Girls Made Of? I kind of remember that one. I don't really remember which one that is. Oh. I'm sure one minute into the episode I'll remember the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um... Probably a woman does some bad stuff in it. Probably. She might be a robot. That happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, for 
TNGs. Uh, the next generation, we have Justice. Ooh. Uh, now, you know we don't love sex in our TNG. No, but I get the feeling we're going to be able to pin the take on this one. <laughs> I think there's a take. I have a feeling about it. I think there's a take, and it has to do with strict adherence to rules, etc. And I swear to God, at this point, we, they should get bonus points if we can identify if it. If there's a take. We should just be like, five bonus points for knowing what it is. Uh, for Dax. Uh, for DS9, we have Dax. Yeah, all right, that's, so, that's I don't know what that is. This is as far as I got in my last rewatch of Deep Space Nine. It's not going to go well. Uh, for Voyager, we have Ex Post Facto. No clue. So that sounds highfalutin, but maybe it won't suck a dick. Mm. And uh, Enterprise, we have Breaking the Ice. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. So if you want to play along, which Ben probably will. We gave I mean, Ben enough time. He was able to get his his in this time. He's done it every week since since week two. So um, no, no. He's, uh, I had his before I'd watched my first episode oh, this week. I okay. just hadn't read it. Um he he was way ahead of us this last time. Well, so, like I said, excuses, excuses. Uh, but if you want to play along, those are the episodes to listen to. Uh, next time we pod, we probably will not talk about Star Trek, but I will give the episodes again at the end. And uh, I've shared the spreadsheet before on, on Twitter, so you can just drop in there anytime and see what's coming up. All right, everybody, we're way late, so uh, we will talk to you next time. Peace out and super Bye-bye. peace. I'm sure that on X Asterisk CNC, there's a reuses of the sensor diagnostic room set page. As usual, we must direct people to the useful version of this podcast. Yeah. Which is the website, X Asterisk CNC, which is the German guy's website. Please subscribe.